0: Bill Cower broke your leg and then you guys became rivals in in the same division and I'm kind of wondering if you ever like that motherfucker he broke my leg in 1983
1: Well you uh, I don't think we played you weren't on my team when we played Bill Cower when he was the head coach but I reminded our guys Saturday night that in the event that you're a little out of control and you're you you got some speed <laughs> and you're going out on their boundary, if you roll into the head coach's legs, it's okay. (laughs) So,
2: The Green Light Podcast welcomes you. It's a great day for you to join us in Studio J. We've got the fantasy football download for you. The number one sports podcast in America right now. The fantasy footballers join Chris and Macon. They're going to go through... Every single fantasy topic you can think of. Which drafts are the best? All the way to which players? Is Darren Waller a worthy of a a tight end one pick? Or is he going to be closer to a top 10? Do they think about trades when they're making a fantasy football selection? How much do quarterbacks come into play when selecting a wide receiver? We go through it all. We also talk about some Hall of Fame worthy fantasy performances. One game, everything's on the line. Late in the season, championship week. Which players went off? These guys remember it all. We have a blast with them. We also have... Jeff Fisher, head coach Jeff Fisher from Chris's Playing Days. He coached him in St. Louis, obviously. Coach joins us to talk a little bit of what's going on in the NFL. He tells some training camp stories, a couple fights, some hard knock stuff. Tells a hilarious story about after he was let go with the Rams and he came back to get his stuff from the facility, had a dog in tow, and ended up crossing paths with the fellas as they were on their way to their first game without Coach Fisher in that season. But it's a good time with Chris and Coach reminiscing. We talked softball from Sunday. Chris pitched another gym. We ended up going one and one in our doubleheader. And then with the Swamp Kings documentary, the Florida documentary coming out, we talk about some documentaries we would love to see, some sports docs we would love to see made. So hit us in the comments with maybe some sports documentaries we missed. And quickly, in between the fantasy footballers and Jeff Fisher, Chris is going to go through some NFL updates. He's going to talk about Jonathan Taylor and what he saw in the NFL preseason week two, which teams played well, which quarterbacks, which defensive linemen. He's going to call out what he liked, what he didn't like. Y'all please enjoy. Remember Wednesdays is Facts and the King. Make sure to stick around for those. Check them out on YouTube. And we will see you Thursday.
0: Swamp Kings is coming out tonight, so we'll be able to talk about it later in the week. What is it? Just the Florida Gators from the Urban Meyer days when Aaron Hernandez was was uh, resolving conflict.
3: Yep, people were allegedly following Tim Tebow around with nude pictures to test his chastity. I hear
0: he's really he was really a virgin. Yeah, I hear he's he's the genuine article. Make I hear he's got a big bush. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, might not make the pod, but.
4: Not the first time it's been said, but perhaps Urban Meyer's best coaching job with so many, and I I don't say it lightly, so many felons on the roster at the time, (laughs) and he kept it together, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I do know. Um, I will watch it. I will. Uh, The question is for you guys, uh, are there any other documentaries that you think need to get made in sports? Because this one, I mean, like Netflix is doing it. They're like, they're going all in on sports, right? High quality. High quality too, yeah. Yeah, the Manziel doc was good so far. I haven't finished it yet, but.
4: The one review I've read of Swamp Kings is that it just, it scratches the surface really.
0: So it's, they have a lot of control over it. You know, I'd love for somebody to go in there with like a Nest Cam and tell us what happened, Mm -hmm. but you can't. Um, These people are always going to have control over the documentaries that they're in to a certain degree. If they're going to be talking and that sort of thing. If if, if I'm Urban Meyer, I'm going to have a list of 10 things I don't want to talk about. Um,
4: Untold's done Malice at the Palace. They've done Caitlyn Jenner. They've done Manti Te'o's girlfriend. Rise and Fall of Van One. They're now doing Johnny Football. Hall of Shame. Swamp Kings. What else is out there? What do there?
0: you like?
2: I would. I'd love to see a uh, USC Texas 2006 Rose Bowl. Just mm-hmm. like that day. Yeah. You know, like the start of the day. They follow Vince Young's. Like I woke up. Blah blah blah. Matt Liner's. Like I woke up. Did this. I think it'd be cool. Day Cole in the McCoy life. Cole woke of... up and puked. Right, exactly. Out
3: of nervousness. Yep. I would love to see the story of the Seattle Supersonics being taken out of Seattle, ripped away by Clay Bennett. Are they going back? Well, there's a lot of talk that the NBA is going to expand to 32, just like the NFL, and yeah. most people believe it'll be Vegas and Seattle.
4: I want to see the uh, the story of the Monica Sella stabbing. It's 93. Mm-hmm crazed fan comes out of the stands and s- she's sitting at a changeover stabs her between the shoulder blades she's number one Is in there the world of this? oh yeah yep. dude's name was Gunther Gunther parsh <laughs> he died in 2022 but listen to this she was number one in the world can you believe how big a story this would be no oh, it'd be huge she had won the australian open 91 92 93 she had won the french 90 91 92 she had won the u.s open 91 92 Then 93, this dude
0: comes out of the stand, stabs her in the back. I know. I'm watching now. She doesn't play for two years after this. I'm watching now. So they didn't get the stabbing on on tape. Mm,
4: I didn't look for it today.
3: I remember seeing it, like seeing him run down
0: there. It's an eight-minute video, 942 on YouTube. I just want to see the stabbing. He
4: died. I just said this. He died last year. Uh, He was a big fan of Steffi Graf, who was number one before Monica Sellis was number one. He wants to get his girl back to number one.
0: Oh, so he was like a fucking he was like super the fan. Uh, like the fan. Yeah. yeah, he's got that. Like umlaut. the movie the fan. He's got yeah. the
3: umlaut on the U and Gunter, so you know he's German. Yeah. Damn, she's just like
0: she's just grabbing at it like she has like a like her super spin eye is out.
4: Doesn't play for two years, you understand?
0: She's tough. Damn. D-
4: depression, eating disorder completely t- changes her life, the history of tennis. I mean, she was rolling. Eight so grand she would slams. have been
0: she would have been she was maybe alone. the best ever. Maybe. Okay. She also comeback by her eventually.
4: She won one more Grand Slam, the Australian Open in ninety six.
0: I say green light that one.
4: And then this guy, he gets a suspended two year sentence. He didn't go to jail. Suspended sentence. Really? Yeah. Died last year at sixty eight. Not Goofed in her. prison. mm. Nursing home. Really? Yeah. He
0: should be in prison. Uh, give me Dennis Rodman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. King, King, Kim Jong Un, like you know, in uh, Carmen Electra. Yes. On the uh, on the interviews. Uh, I feel like he
2: could just do a day, maybe one one hour episode on him on the Vegas thing. Yeah. You know, just like the.
0: Two no question. Three, it, I just want to know what happened hours. during the playoffs that right. he ended up in Vegas. I think
4: Kim might sit down for that interview. Yeah. Like okay, I know, I got this whole dictator thing going <laughs> on, but I'll sit
0: and talk about that cat. Deflate Gate. Uh, give me Danny Almonte. You got yes. any more?
4: Yeah, this isn't a specific event. Groundskeepers of the game. There got to be some characters. <laughs> there got to be historic moments that yep. that they played pivotal roles in. Yep. There's there's science in this age of artificial turf. There's yep. science going into. To maintaining and sustaining the these surfaces yep where elite athletes are gonna let you know about it if Give it's us not like
0: 30 minutes on last year's Super Bowl exactly yep exactly
4: the groundskeepers of the game okay
3: that's pretty good okay there's, there's a bunch of dream team documentaries and they're always this like feel-good redeem team or 92 dream team I want to see the one about the 2004 team that just choked and sucked. yeah there's yeah.
4: nothing to do with groundskeepers
0: no.
4: <laughs>
3: All right, so I actually have one. I, I this is the best one
0: though for for me. I like I would I would watch this tonight. Uh, to on this day in 1915. Okay, Joe Jackson, shoeless Joe Jackson. He was acquired mm-hmm. uh, from the Cleveland Indians. It was like a there were three other guys in that trade. Um, but I'm sure there's a story I've never heard it like how he got his name. So last night I'm like googling away because I was getting ready for the show and I was like, okay, August 15th. Um, at some point, the motherfucker didn't wear shoes, I would presume. But it actually dates back to textile leagues where he was uh, playing for the Greenville Spinners. And he got a blister. He was wearing new cleats, got a blister, no moleskin back then, took the cleats off. He's playing the game. He's rounding second. And uh, actually, this was from his Wikipedia page. Is a direct quote. There was a fan on third base behind the third baseline, and he, he just yells out, um, You shoeless son of a gun. (laughs) And it sticks with him. Like, that that was it. That's, like, how it supposedly started. Um, But the the most interesting thing to me is shoeless Joe Jackson, did he gamble on the the World Series in 1919 or
4: no? I think you're leading the witness. I'll say no.
0: Okay. He didn't. And that's the thing. Like, he's the most famous guy on the team. So, in my head, the guy's got bad branding. Like, he's always been associated with – with 1919 and throwing the 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 world series but actually he did quite the opposite he played great that series i'll get to his stat line but it's pretty interesting when you go down the rabbit hole of like how this happened uh it was actually chip gandle one of his teammates and a bunch of guys so it was like seven eight guys throwing the throwing the series for 80k and it was meyer lansky
3: right and they they were mad at their owner comiskey who that uh ballpark is named after. so there.
0: this is it comiskey's a piece of shit was like he's a well he was a real piece of shit he made him pay for their laundry yeah. so like comiskey was like hey you guys you know you're gonna get billed for your laundry and of course they revolted and just wore stinky ass clothes right. they were the stinkiest team in the league and they got called the black Sox. it wasn't because of the gambling uh or some like disgrace i always thought it was like because they were Same. assholes Same. but it was because they were dirty as fuck there was a pitcher um, named Eddie Cassette who he owed 10 k for a bonus right. uh, if he won 30 games. He gets 29 games. You talk yeah. about incentives in the NFL. Comiskey puts him on the bench for two weeks. So he ends up, he ends the season with 29 wins. 1919, they legitimately, the entire team was expecting a bonus. Yes. They didn't get one. They got to the locker room. It's just champagne. Stale champagne. Stale champagne. <laughs> you read the same thing. So uh bottom line is they wanted to get back at him and you know there were like two camps in the, in the in the clubhouse like some guys that weren't gonna gonna gamble on this and it was almost like they had two camps where one camp was like real educated because it was like a thing to go to college and the other camp was like kind of dumb like they were remedial as fuck, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe that's the group that gambled um but they they threw it over 80k and when you talk about comiskey the payroll was actually pretty good. It was $88,461 for the entire team, which was actually like top of the league. It was just a little top heavy. They had like a hotshot second baseman that was making 15 K Joe Jackson's making six K on the year. Uh, and like, I actually ran the numbers for this, like an egg costs three cents. So like a slugger, like Joe Jackson, he's paying $42 a year for eggs. If he eats three eggs a day to pack on the protein. Um, which is actually not bad at all, but when you look at like somebody like Chip, who's making thirty five hundred a year, mm-hmm. the average American worker is making thirty two hundred a year. So like you know why he threw the game for his cut of that eighty k, which was probably like ten k.
3: Eggs were also a lot smaller back then, so
0: maybe he had to eat six. So he spent eighty four dollars on eggs. But the point is, for somebody like Joe Jackson, you know, there's no point in throwing this game. Somebody like Chip, I mean, you could say to, for ten k, it's just the World Series. It's like you're making a, an iron worker salary times two. You know. So it's not a big deal. It's not like throwing the World Series today. But when you look at that World Series, they actually had a shot to win it in eight, and they played nine games back then, which mm-hmm. I didn't know. Um, they had a pitcher, Lefty Williams, that was not on the take, and they got to him. They threatened to beat him up or whatever, and he got shelled. So they lose it in eight, but Joe Jackson's stat line in this game, or the series, rather, uh, he scored 11 of the 20 runs that they had, he had six RBIs, 20 uh, runs, 17 of them, Joe Jackson, batted 375, 12 hits, okay, which was a World Series record at the time, which is pretty fucking lame. Because, like, you know, nine games, 12 hits, uh, he was like, they weren't hitting the ball back Death then. Ball era. But the bottom line is no errors, nothing. He was lights out at bat. He was not throwing the actual game, which is a case of bad branding because I always thought he was
3: a disgraced figure. Well, Major League Baseball still won't let him in the Hall of Fame, even though it's clear that he didn't do anything wrong. It's ridiculous. It's a little (laughs) Oppenheimer-ish. Isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. So
0: I guess the the question that that I was going to ask was, were you guys throwing the game last night, the first game? like was
3: that was that a real honest effort in softball last night the first game if i was throwing it i would make it look like i was trying to catch the ball and then have it pelt me in the chest (laughs) so the ball
0: the ball hit matt so fucking hard you could hear it on the on 250. what position uh right field that's the only one i'm allowed to play (laughs) (laughs) dude it it, balls were going off of people's chests they were going off people's legs it was like it was the bad news bears out there. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Chris then, was on an island, the I pitching island. island. Yeah, you yeah. know, he, I, I, he didn't I,
2: have a defense. He didn't have a bad. I didn't
0: pitch great, but I didn't pitch bad. And, didn't and, he, and didn't. he didn't get we much we run support. And I know we weren't hitting the ball yesterday. We had a double header. It was a rain rain makeup, so we ended up playing this team first. What's the name of this team?
2: Elevate and
0: celebrate. Elevate and celebrate, and they fucking kind of shelled us because we couldn't. I mean, we couldn't field the ball. We couldn't hit the ball, and you know, I walked a few people. I'll, I'll take. And I was told last night, like, it's kind of like an unwritten baseball rule. You're not supposed to talk about your teammates, but we've already broken that rule in here. Yeah, yeah. So you guys really sucked the first game out there in the outfield. Yeah. And Kevin Backey, you get him out there, at least Kevin Backey, you know, he can't run. He left second base early last <laughs> right. night, yeah. tagging up. They called him out. Uh, but he's like a fucking, he's like a coach on the field. He can definitely catch the ball. So we got some outfield support the second game we came back. And we beat a professional team.
4: The first game final score?
0: 12 Uh, to 4. We gave like seven in the sixth. Yeah, yeah. It was ugly. Okay. So, anyways, second game, it was a look ahead game because we're playing a major league team. The way this league is divided, everybody's in the same league, but it's like B minor, A minor, major. We're B minor, right? Because we didn't make the playoffs last year. We did a little Mavericks thing. It was like Um, pros
3: versus Joes.
0: Yeah, it was like pros versus Joes, man. These guys were one. They were a well-oiled machine, and we got the win. And
2: nice guys too, I will say. Really nice guys, except except
0: the catcher, who at (laughs) one point, uh, you know, he he was talking to the infielders. He was like, "Hey, if I go to bases, were loaded. Hey, if I go to you at third, you might come back to me." And I'm like, "Man, you guys really think ahead." And he goes, "Yeah, we don't have our our bodies anymore, but we still have our brains." (laughs) And I took that to be a jab.
3: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Like,
0: like my brain is mush. Uh, but anyways, we ended up beating this team. The opposing pitcher was great. His his wife actually teaches PE at my high school, and he taught me how to throw a knuckleball at the end of the game. So that was really nice. You're still in high school? No. What did I say?
4: Well, oh, he said she teaches PE at my high school.
0: I, my kids' high school. Got it. Yeah, my got it. kids. Which they're not in high school yet. So, uh, anyways, what else happened? I got
4: grade? a report from a player on the other team.
0: Surprise, surprise. Macon's friend on the other team. Somebody was like Macon's best buddies. It's actually, we, we, it's kind of a saving Silverman situation with, uh, with Bad Back Backy because he feels like you, you got a replacement friend, which you did. It, it, like, calls back to that Virginia baseball game that we're all walking to the fucking parking lot. You're 100 feet ahead, and we call you, and you look at your phone and put it back in your pocket because <laughs> you're walking with your replacement friend. Somebody was like, hey, Spot making's replacement friend. And I, I was Easy. like, is it the guy in a rowback polo? <laughs> uh, and it was. <laughs>
4: I asked him how softball before I had heard from any of y'all. It took him a, a few hours this morning, but he said they won six three. He may not know it, but Chris threw a one hitter.
0: Was a one hitter?
2: R- oh that yeah, sounds about you right. Walked, yeah, sounds yeah, about right. Walked, I walked about five guys. This in one guy's hitting. big wow. sack guy.
0: So, anyways, I like you could add it up, tally it up. I don't know how many runs it were earned in the first <laughs> game, but I fucking needed that, guys. I really needed that because I don't know if you guys were doubting me a little bit in the six. When there was, we had like 12 minutes left. And, you know, in softball, if you run out of time, you you know, the game's over. We're up like 6-1 to one at that point. So I start walking a couple guys, you know, thinking I'm just going to like slow this thing down. And then two walks turns into seven. <laughs> uh, but we got out of the inning with only two, two runs. So kudos to you guys. The fucking infield looks great. And uh, I needed it, man. At the end of your pro career, I don't know if you guys wouldn't know this, but you really do start feeling like you're not good enough. You know, like it, it, you're still making plays out there, but the plays that you, you used to make because you were a step quicker or maybe more limber or just better, like you miss those plays. I remember so many plays at the end of my career where I started to feel like a loser. I started to feel like I wasn't clutch. I started to feel like I couldn't do it anymore, and it kind of bled into my wreck softball career like so that, it's in my head sometimes out there you know that, like i carry that over from my pro career and last night i'm driving home and i'm feeling like somebody just took the weight of of, of the world off my shoulders i mean i was like on a benzo driving home i felt great <laughs> and i'm thinking to myself like i needed this like yeah. i don't i didn't know how much i needed that big win and and not to choke like, in the sixth inning, I was like, I'm going to choke. I'm going to miss yeah. the sack on Tom you had Brady. Some
3: self-doubt right there. I saw you were like, y'all might have to pull me in a minute. But yeah. Like, you're yeah. fine. So, but I needed it.
2: And so you're saying, like, 10 years ago, that pop fly that you bobbled and grabbed, you would have made no problem.
0: No, it's more just like the in the moment of when I used to just not think and I used to just do it. You know, over time, the repetition of failing gets into your head. You know, like at 23, I wouldn't have been thinking about anything out there. But at 38, you know, it's what if I walk this guy? Oh, there's the ice cream truck. (laughs) The ice cream truck pulls up. It's fucking loud as shit. I want ice cream. I'm like distracted. I'm like, I'm going to lose the game because of the ice cream truck. Like all these little things start creeping in your head. Uh, Your buddy with the polo was talking shit (laughs) at the plate. Like I couldn't throw a strike. I got him to pop out. (laughs) Uh, White collar power. Um, Uh, Us outfielders, we picked it up that second
2: game. Yeah, but the bottom
0: line is I got out of the jam, and I really needed it, and I appreciate it. Our boy John Phillips pulled up in his 97 Lincoln town car. (laughs) I saw his wife at the game. I was like, uh, John's got the town car out tonight. You let him drive the town car? She's like, yeah, I thought he was taking the dump truck, but (laughs) the guy really owns a dump truck, a town car, a bunch of excavation equipment. I mean, he's basically like a grown-up with kids' toys that he's driving on the road. So, I mean, we, we, uh, we survived without John Phillips hitting a home run. We didn't score a lot of runs, but it was a good night for us.
4: You know, benzos are actually depressants.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, they'll bring you down a notch. Uh, not the ones I've had. Okay. The ones I've had make me feel like I don't give a shit.
4: Well, congratulations, fellas. What's the record now? Two and one. Two and one. Yeah, we're two
0: and one. We, play, uh, we talked to Rhino from B&B Electric last night Ryan. in the parking lot. Huh? Ryan. Yeah, well, his shirt says Rhino. Oh, did it? Yeah. It's not. It's not Ryan. It's Ryan. Right. So, anyways, Ryan. that's a Jim
4: Rome joke from uh, the Ryan Sandberg days. Ah, okay,
0: got it. Mm-hmm. So, a- a- anyways, we play those guys Tuesday night, and they're good. They're tradesmen to the core, and they just beat Ceramico Tile. So maybe we need to call B&B Electric and schedule leave them a message. It right. what Fire. Do you, what do you think? Fuck. <laughs> what do you think about that? We call B&B Electric. Wanna do
5: it? Here.
4: Yeah. You call me in the Hey, how are you? Yes. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, but I'm worried about a couple of these wires. Um, most electrical fires are caused by faulty electrical outlets or worn sockets that aren't properly grounded. You know this, and with age, the wiring behind the sockets and outlets wears, and the wires loosen. Over time, and can eventually break and cause a fire. And I'm worried I'm going to have a fire on my hands. Do you all send people out to look at wiring?
0: Tell them the fire's Tuesday night. Um, and we can have somebody come out and see
4: if there's any issues going on. You're in Charlottesville. That's right. Yeah, I'm in Charlottesville. I'm actually. We have been there for you yet? I'm uh, I'm going to be honest. I didn't hear what you said, but I would love for somebody to come out tomorrow, Tuesday, the 22nd, maybe later in the day around 6 p.m.
0: Okay, I don't have anybody available that late in the day. We'll pay double.
4: I'll pay double because, you know, another common cause of electrical fires are lamps, light bulbs, or light fittings. It's important to follow the wattage guidelines for all light fixtures and lamps in my home and to never exceed the recommended amount. And my wife, I mean, she's the best. We met when we were 10 years old. Uh, ah. she'll, uh, she'll screw in every light bulb in the house, but damn it, she doesn't pay attention to the wattage. And uh, right. so, no, I think we've got a fire on our hands for sure. Tomorrow, Tuesday, the 22nd at 6 p.m. Uh, okay, I, like so I said, don't think I have anybody. Let me put you over a second, see what I can come up with. Hold That'd on be great. Let's bring everybody, yeah. I don't need any. Sorry? If you could just bring everybody. I don't need anybody. I just need everybody.
5: <laughs> have, have we done any work for you before?
4: You sure have. And what was the name? Long, L-O-N-G. I, th- I keep telling her, stop with the extension cords. <laughs> All right, is it Meg- Megan Long? You, uh, do you have Kate? Kate Long or Kyle? Uh, what's the address? On? Hmm. Yep, Megan. That's right. Hey, it John. It's John, right? Yes, it is John. All right, John. Um, I think it's doable. Uh, can I give you a call back like in five minutes? I'm going to – I have an electrician that's out working in Charlottesville. So he'll be out there tomorrow. I just want to check with him and make sure he can get by there. And said it's 6 p.m.? Yeah, He's that that could be great. Team. Do you – what's his name? He might have been out here before. Uh, it would probably be Ben. Ben. Does he play on the softball team by any chance?
1: Uh, what,
4: For us? Yeah. I don't think so. Mm. I don't think Ben does. Hmm. Okay. Do you know if Ryan's Uh, available uh, if you give me like five minutes I can call you right back. Let me just check with him because he's the only uh, electrician I have in that area tomorrow. I I laugh because my wife (laughs) just plugged in a portable heater. I mean, I I, I, (laughs) plugged in more stuff, huh? Plugging in more stuff. (laughs) Tell us to we get there. Say Cut it (laughs) out Okay, thank you. All right, I'll give you a call back in like five minutes, okay? Okay, appreciate it.
0: I don't know what to do when they actually say they can come fix the problem. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, B&B, like after hours, they got a, they got a guy for that. Yeah,
4: you're going to be playing a, a professional operation Tuesday night.
0: That woman thinks my wife is a moron, huh? <laughs> sorry, sorry, <Meg. laughs> They really have worked at my house. Yeah. And she came back and said, your name's Dan? John, I think. John. yeah, it's fine. In
4: fairness, I didn't get her name.
0: Yeah, you know, so well, we she were great, but she was great. They've called back, Cowboys like Yeah, it looks. So they yeah. they called back.
2: Called back, and um, and we told them our services are no longer, you know, their services are no, no longer needed. We figured it out. Basically. Okay. Oh. So unfortunately,
0: we're gonna have to see B and B Electric on Tuesday. Right, they could only send out one guy. We're gonna beat them the honest, uh, the honest way. They, they know to put softball first. They probably have like They've a banner off that's like the softball first in right. their little office. Yeah. And the lady's like, uh, can you send some softball players? Fuck no. I don't even know. We had a softball team. I will
2: say they show up to McIntyre every week, 5 p.m., and they stay until about 8.30 or They're great. o'clock. Yeah. Every week.
0: Great, fun team. One, fun two, team. three.
4: Fuck electrical fire. Softball first. That's how they break <laughs> it right. down.
0: They're going to be shocked. <laughs> All right. So uh, you know who was shocked was those... Those guys in the baseball pants last night—they thought they were going to run through us. Mm. Nobody thought we were going to beat them. Anyways, had another thing coming. Hey, um, Matt, do you want to talk about your? I've got one more doc. Okay. Oh, great. Good.
4: Now you're going to roll Why your eyes. Why didn't you do
0: this when I was like, "Hey, you want to do a doc?"
4: I was. I had groundskeepers. You hear that, Monica Sellis. I was still going. You just. You. You had something. You had something uh, killer.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely killer. I forget what it was. the fruits of my uh, tireless labor to fill this show with topics that people actually care about. Now
4: listen. Virginia basketball loses to a 16 seed. First time ever. UMBC beat them by 20. UMBC had lost to Albany by 44 that season. Okay? Virginia was 31-2. and Lose the basketball game. They come back the next year. They win the national title, of course. They were down 14 points in the first half to a 16 seed I know. again. It almost happened. Gardner Webb, it almost happened twice and then during that run they trailed Purdue by 2 with less than a second. Yep. Auburn, Auburn by 2 by with two. less than a yep. second. And then trailed Texas Tech by three with, with several was, seconds remaining.
0: Was that their biggest lead of the game? Because I felt like they were, we, we had that game under control yeah. for most of it. Yeah,
4: then they're up three before the Dre three with about 10 seconds to go.
0: No, because that's one of those things I know how it ends It's okay. Okay.
4: You know? Virginia basketball, 66-6 and six over two years. It includes the worst loss in college basketball history and then a, uh, a remarkable tale of redemption. They could be a good doc. No, uh, I'm biased, but without bias, I also think it would be a good doc.
3: I'd take the loss in '81 versus Chaminade as a doc.
4: It's bad, yeah. That, that's also a good one. We had Ralph, we lost a Chaminade in Maui, coming back from a trip to Tokyo. Fucking
0: Ralph on a plane, all hunched oh. over. People
4: smoking darts everywhere. Can you
0: imagine being Ralph Sampson in 1982 going to Tokyo in a plane? <laughs> no, No fucking DVD player, no, well, book. I mean, I guess he was reading a book, but. It's a long flight it is a long pretty flight. cramped how about a worst plane ride ralph Sampson going to Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> just like, just the worst one how about
6: uh, a,
4: a documentary of kingston on the river huh
0: if <laughs> the first hour you wouldn't see his face <laughs> <laughs> because he uh he was a victim of the penis envy yeah uh is is right, that's, there's a mushroom called penis envy and I warned him twice before he reached. Uh, oh, wasn't your fault, completely my fault. <laughs> I warned him twice. I said it hasn't are, hit yet. This is uh, this is the uh, Jake Lamada of uh, of uh, of the
3: psilocybin world. The trees
4: and
0: aren't whispering to me yet.
3: No, they weren't whispering. <laughs> he was seeing something. Oh, I was having unbelievably intense visualizations for like so an hour were you and seeing? a half. Like you know, like trippy psychedelic. Patterns that you always see, like that. But like, I'd close my eyes and that, and it was just moving. Why'd you want him to go away? I didn't. It was just so intense, and I was really scared for a while that I was gonna like drown because I didn't know where I was. And then he didn't paddle for half the trip, which is okay. And then I I really appreciated you tying me to your boat and paddling me around. the funniest thing about it is,
0: I go last week, I got to pull my boy who's off a hernia surgery. Yeah, I think he's milking it a little bit. Is it an inguinal hernia? Is it a different kind of hernia? I don't know. But Matt, this week, I'm thinking, I get to paddle. He shows up, and he's like Doc Ellis, uh, and I got to fucking tie my rope to him again, and I'm pulling another grown man down the river. But it was easier because you're in a kayak. My boy was in a heavy inner tube with a a fucking heavy umbrella.
3: You were actually a pretty (laughs) good passenger. Yeah, and after about an hour or so, it turned, and it was like one of the best days I've ever had. But before that happened, Kyle scared the shit out of me. He came up (laughs) next to me. And do you remember like the giants in Game of Thrones? Yes. Remember when the White Walker turned one of the giants? So it was like a a ghost giant or whatever. Kyle looked like that, except he had diamond eyes that were shooting at me. I'm just telling you, bro. The penis envy will do it.
4: Y'all call yourselves grown, too. (laughs) That's the funniest part for me. They're rolling down a river.
3: I think that you're probably judging something you've never tried which is like a lot of the public and honestly like if you look at the research on psilocybin it does a lot for depression Have you tried it? Yeah, you could use some. <laughs> have, you, have you tried it?
4: Nah, again, I'm a big benzo guy, I try to get lower. I mean, I try to get lower. He was in hell. My baseline is too high. He was
0: in hell. He was in the core the core of the earth, man. Yeah. There was a point where he, we, we were stopped at these rapids and we had to like walk to get back on the boat. And I was like coordinating his whole walk. And I, I just stopped and I go, Matt, let me be your dad right now. <laughs> just like stop fighting it. Allow me for the next hour to be your dad on the river. And he was like, that's what I want. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, your hand is really strong. <laughs> it was all fucked up, dude. But Kyle came out for the first time and he had a nice time. Um, I kind of couldn't decide on whether or not he was never going to come back or he wanted to come back. I think he wants to come back. Okay. He joined
2: the James River Swim Club. Uh, he, he did we he get himself. some T-shirts made. James right. River Swim Club. Yeah, that perfect. needs to be our merch. Yeah, mm. James River Swim
0: Club. It's Because nobody can steal it. Nobody right. else. Like It's so. Uh, you know, it's such an inside joke. Most people are going to be like, I don't want that shirt. Right. But you know it's not going to get stolen. Mm-mm. And we can uh, sell
2: it to James River runners who can then sell it exactly. to everybody else. This is really smart. And yeah. then
0: Kyle decides to take a you know a detour uh one of the little side alleys he went on the tom river on it, with yep. my buddy tom who's not the guy you you're like yeah i'll go where you want to go right now <laughs> like he's the guy that tells you this is our exit when it's like a quarter mile back so he took a quick right kyle followed him uh like a couple lemmings they headed down this little alleyway and reed has some of the most amazing footage of kyle getting clotheslined by a fucking <laughs> uh, sycamore tree uh going uh ass over tea kettle
2: there was one there's a tree had fallen it was maybe like four feet above the water and we're paddling through and tom and i get through the hole perfectly no problems and kyle's like i'm coming in hard like top gun too and then he's paddling through he the and then thing on film. and then he's like uh he's like clear the runway and then he just comes through tips tries to grab the big limb, misses it try and just finds like a little branch
4: Or his him. eyes open
2: <laughs> yeah they wouldn't, yeah. First time paddling, you know, not not hundred percent. But there you grab this branch, you just there you go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's pretty good. Kyle really found a way to 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 for the back of his head to hit the water first. Uh, but we had a lot of fun. It was a good weekend. We ended up, uh, yeah, winning our soft one softball game. So uh, good to be back at work. Uh, we've got two interviews for today. Uh, we have uh, a total of four people making an appearance on this podcast. Uh, The guys from Fantasy Footballers are joining us. That's Mike, Andy, and Jason from Fantasy Footballers. I watched some of their stuff uh, the other night, and I feel prepared. So here they are. And then we've got Jeff Fisher in a little bit. uh, Talk about a bunch of BS, really a bunch of preseason training camp. uh, Peeling back the curtain on some of the coaching decisions that have to get made in training camp. So stick around for that. I hate buying tickets. I've been playing my whole life. Never had to worry about buying tickets. Now I got to go to Nashville to watch Virginia play Tennessee. Hopefully it's competitive. But the ticket part is stressful. The game's stressful. The ticket part's really stressful. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. And with the game time app it's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area i'm trying to see the monster trucks for my kids or willie nelson for me and my kids i can find it all in the game time app game time's the place for last minute ticket deals forget planning months in advance game time has the deals on tickets right up to the day of the event get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football basketball baseball concerts comedy theater and more The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code GREENLIGHT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code GREENLIGHT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. All right, as promised, we got the fantasy footballers. These guys are great. I watched the show last night. Uh, I feel kind of prepared, honestly. It's like cramming in school. Just watch one three-hour show that these guys put on. It's information-rich. It's informative. Check them out. How y'all doing?
6: We're in the thick of it, man. We Fantasy season is here. Everyone's undefeated. We're doing good, but it's crazy. All the news, all the preseason, everybody trying to extrapolate every little teeny bit of oh, information. Yes projecting it over the whole freaking year it's it's fun
0: <laughs> what do you think is the the biggest storyline that kind of everything hinges on that that's not been um, you know resolved at this point in preseason
7: it's got to be the running back situation with you know both Jonathan Taylor and Josh Jacobs just the whole the whole money situation and are they valuable and are they going to play football that's pretty yeah, important. It was
6: Saquon earlier in the offseason yeah as well like the running back committee world where you don't have the same type of bell cows you always used to have that you know now people are taking wide receivers earlier in drafts because they're afraid and I think that's been a big storyline at least
0: yeah with the running back thing it's it's there's a couple guys I love but they're going to be playing you know they're going to be seeing stacked boxes like Damian Pierce would probably be one who's a machine no matter what and I'd love to draft him but I kind of wonder how you guys come come about finding that like uh, that Mendoza line for a guy uh, where you know you'd really like to have him on your team. He's going to get a lot of carries, but are they going to be high quality opportunities for that guy? How do you guys find that that kind of point where you say, "Hey, no thanks."
8: Sure, I mean it, we uh, when when we do our rankings, we do our best to make a whole full projection system. And the way I do it, I start at the top, so I'm trying to figure out what are the you know how good is this offense going to be and then i start kind of filtering well i think that this running back will get this market share of what this team has to offer for me and it the numbers just kind of get where they where they are and then it's then it's all about playing the the average draft position or adp market knowing when and when and where to jump in on certain positions but you, you start with the, the offense first so because we want touchdowns, of course. And then what's the archetype of the running back? Because we need guys to – you know, we're talking about PPR and stuff like that. You need a running back who's going to catch the ball. Mm-hmm. a Simply a target, not even just a catch, a target is essentially worth about two and a half times more than just a single carry. So we want guys who are going to do hopefully both, but with the you know the specialization of the position – it's pretty rare to see a guy like Eckler and, and McCaffrey anymore. We get guys like Damian Pierce, who last year was a – I mean, he was a great rookie. Mm-hmm. He was on a poor offense, but he was a grinder. He wasn't getting that third-down work. So what What we're looking for in the preseason is how are teams rolling these guys out? Because the, the addition of Devin Singletary, you know, former Buffalo Bill running back to the team, it's not nothing. Like, Singletary was a pretty good player yeah. for the Bills for a few years. How is he going to work into it? And then we kind of got a small answer this past weekend for the preseason week two, where Damian Pierce was the guy. Like last year, third and fourth down with very very minimal snaps and opportunities for Damian Pierce. Already looks like that could see an uptick. So his while his offense doesn't project to be super strong, you got a rookie quarterback who's going to be in charge. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't usually lead to real success for the fantasy position, at, uh, talking about running back. But there's at least reason to have optimism that this guy could be a real workhorse, and you want to have a real workhorse, and you're running back two spot. Can I
0: hit a sidebar real quick? Yeah. Uh, Singletary. They mentioned Singletary. I just played him in a grid for like 10-plus touchdowns in a season. So, yeah, he was pretty damn good in Buffalo. But do you guys play grids? Are you guys just like uh, among the best in the world at this? Because you guys got all (laughs) – like you you know the third back on every team. Have you guys delved into the grid universe, dude?
8: I, I cannot say that I have. Oh my God, no, me dude. either. Uh, I'm,
0: I'm not uh, I'm not a gritter. Is there just the...
6: money, money sitting out there for us? No, there's no saying? money. Is there money in this no. thing,
0: Matt? Hey, there, okay, so there's money. My producer says there's money. I've been playing <laughs> uh, hard, not smart the last week, dude. <laughs> but uh, But it's fun. You guys know the concept of it, right?
8: Is this where you're the, 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 giving us the teams and the positions? Yeah, teams and positions. Yep. Well, basically yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with the game. Yeah, it's
0: pretty damn cool. I mean, you gotta, you got to really be on your P's and Q's, and I figured you guys, you guys should check that out. We've been playing them like crazy. Mate, go ahead. What was your question?
4: Guys, we're in a 10-team PPR redraft league. We, uh, your presence on today's show made our commish get with it and, and give us a draft position. Chris is picking seventh. Mm-hmm. I'm ninth. Where does the consensus this year stop for you guys? Is it at four? Is it Jefferson Chase McCaffrey Eckler in some order? Or is it somewhere else?
6: Yeah, I mean, as the offseason has gone on, I think we've we've crept up on where we you know, the top couple positions have generally been McCaffrey, Jefferson in some order. Jamar Chase with with Burroughs Calf, although we got good news about that today. Chase is in the mix there as well you know Tyreek Hill and Eckler uh you're you're both picking from the spots where we've seen a lot of like Travis Kelsey first going Mm -hmm. off the board as well as like the Bijan Robinson zone where the excitement for the rookie in Atlanta um that's kind of that later first round where you know people have spent spent up on Kelsey just so dominant for so long in fantasy and at this point we're just like expecting it from him every year
7: yeah you guys are both at a spot where you're you're past the known commodities. Like the the first six picks, those are going to be pretty much the same guys. And then where you guys are at, it's user choice. If you want, if you think Stephon Diggs is better because he's done it for longer, or you think AJ Brown is better because he's the new hotness, you know, you or you want to go with the rookie and Bijan. You you guys really get to choose yeah. so there's some freedom there to being love there that. where it's like i get to call my shot
0: love that because then nobody can criticize you for fucking it up you're like well I there is a
6: lot of pressure in fantasy where, yes. where where there's like a freedom to that factor where like maybe you don't believe in somebody but you feel like you gotta oh i gotta take them so nobody yep. gives me crap at the draft because yep. <laughs> you know and the peer pressure what, the peer pressure is real what about
0: man. what about you guys mentioned Bijan? i'm thinking about you know kyle pitts and you know targets uh, that that seemed like they would have big years, but you got Desmond Ritter down there. I know you guys were talking yeah. about. One of you guys picked uh, Mike Evans for your dude, uh, one of yep. your dudes, and you know you really put it into context nicely with the Mike Evans. I mean, he he's chasing history. The guy's really in that echelon, and. He's saying this stuff knowing full well he's probably going to see either Baker or Kyle Trask this year. Right. So he's confident, but how confident are you guys, and how do you figure out who can overcome bad quarterback play?
6: That, that's such a good question. And, like, last year there was this uh, illusion, uh, specifically in Seattle, where, like, you went into the offseason, you have talent in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett that's been proven on the NFL field, but then the fantasy community was out on these yeah. two players just because Russ was gone, and this was going to be like Drew Locke competing with Geno Smith, and we don't know what's going to happen. So that was at least a lesson in humility a little bit for the fantasy world where, like, talent generally wins out. Uh, you know, whether Baker and Kyle Trask can do it, that's when you look at something like Mike's talking about market share for running backs. You start looking at target share for wide receivers, and you just hope that volume piles right. up. You know, they're in a division with, like, You know, it's kind of wide open, so that's one source of optimism to me is that, like, maybe, you know, they can compete even if people don't expect them to. And um, you hope that Baker, with that proven track record of throwing deep, just goes to the biggest dang man on the field every single time. And, you know, Evans has done it with so many other quarterbacks that at least, you know, he has that in the track record of of not being dependent on one guy.
4: What's changed with Derrick Henry despite – a few more miles on the odometer <laughs> one more year. Is this the year that they start to mix in a couple other guys in that backfield? Is is Hopkins the addition Tennessee hopes he's going to be, or is Derrick Henry going to churn out another RB6, RB7 year?
7: Yeah, he's awesome. He's uh, he's just too good <laughs> at football. He's too big of a human. And I, I, we didn't see anything last year that, that said he's slowing down at all. You look at what the team is talking about around him. He, he is the center of their offense. They did draft a really talented rookie in Tajay Spears. Um, so there's questions, right? Like, will they get, you know, a little bit more rest for Derrick Henry? But I don't think that's what he needs. He needs to just keep <laughs> just plowing into the defenders. Just, I mean, you know, you see it. Every year, the end of the year, the end of the games, he just gets stronger. We, you know, we call him the Yeti yeah. when it starts snowing and the weather starts changing. It is, he it, it is bad news for the rest of the NFL. I think the Hopkins trade actually is extremely good for Derrick Henry. What it does in a winnable division is it says they're going to be winning more games. And for Derrick Henry, a guy who's not really a pass-catching back – he scores a lot more in the games they win. And so if they're up and you know they're going into the fourth quarter, you, you're going to see him get close to 30 carries in a game. And I, I don't think that the wear and tear on his legs um, are, are there yet. We haven't seen an ounce of decline. And you've got to remember, he started his career. He's, he's later into his career, but his first few years, he wasn't really used that right. much because he was behind uh, DeMar DeMarco DeMarco Murray. Murray.
0: Yeah. yeah, another good grid name there. <laughs> our today. I got
4: another team for you with a question at quarterback okay would you rather have Terry McLaurin where he goes or Jahan Dotson a couple rounds later
7: mm.
8: <laughs> yeah the, the the Washington commanders boys it's 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 not the easiest situation to to figure out uh, Dotson exploding though just showing the 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 touchdown prowess it's, I mean it's it's so interesting for us as like we aren't like we don't have your inside knowledge of football players, but how how do you have wide receivers? Like uh, I'll go to the Atlanta situation where you had Julio Jones, one of the best wide receivers of all time, and Calvin Ridley playing together. And it was like Julio we just we never got prolific touchdown numbers from him. Meanwhile Calvin Ridley's like, well no, you just it's real easy. Mm -hmm. Strolls Mm -hmm. in as a rookie with double digits. You just rattle off a bunch of touchdowns, Julio, what are you doing? And that could be the situation we're looking at with with Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. McLaurin's incredible. I, I think he is one of the better wide receivers, just route runner, hands, speed. He has everything. But Dotson is just one of these sneaky guys who's able to score a whole bunch of touchdowns. So when you're looking at the, the market, the ADP, I think they're both okay. Like McLaurin is, is a fine pick where he is. But there's a lot of things that could go wrong when you when you factor in the other names that are around him. Meanwhile, Jahan Dotson's going multiple rounds later, and I, for me, just personally, it wouldn't shock me if at the end of the year they're just right next to each other because McLaurin has more more catches and more yards, but Dotson ends up with three or four more touchdowns. So they're interesting but if I have to just take one factoring in the market I'll go with Jahan Dotson.
7: Yeah, I completely agree. I've loved Terry McLaurin. He's been like yes. one of my dudes this whole off season. But there are so many people in the 5th round where he's going that I also love. Justin Fields, Justin Herbert, uh DJ Moore. There's a lot of uh, talented players there in the 8th round where Dotson's going. It's like uh eh, maybe, more maybe questions. you know, there's a there's a lot more questions there. So I think you take Dotson have a little bit more security and grab a different player in the fifth playmaker he gets the ball in his hands a lot of
0: run after mm-hmm. the catch with him and Ridley you mentioned him down in Jacksonville you know the question for me is like who's the number one down there I mean it, it, you know for some people it might seem kind of clear but this guy is uh, his arrival has been heavily awaited down there I think he's going to make a lot of plays is it Ridley is it Kirk how do you see the target shares going in
7: Jacksonville is Ridley. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I
6: feel like it's Ridley as yeah. well. I mean, he he just is uh, kind of a next-level talent. You've seen it on the practice field. It's been a long time, but we've also seen how well Christian Kirk functions and kind of let – you know, and call it 1B, call it the, the number two role. Um, he did it in Arizona with DeAndre Hopkins on the other side. And so it just really – Ridley's arrival means such good things for that offense. Like, we've loved what we've seen from Tank Bigsby being a compliment – to Travis Etienne in Jacksonville. It looks like Trevor Lawrence can take the step forward with all those weapons they brought back Ingram. Um, Zay Jones is kind of an under, you know, underrated, unheralded uh, piece on that offense. So, you know, I think we expect big things from Ridley. Hopefully he can come back to form because it's been a while.
8: Yeah, yeah. I,
7: I think the, the reason I'm so confident now that it's Ridley as the number one target is what we saw in the preseason yep. is when they went to two wide receiver sets – you would We would have thought previous that that would be Ridley and Christian Kirk on the field, but it wasn't. It was Zay Jones. Mm. Christian Kirk was pretty much the slot player, and so that, that to me says that the one, the alpha, is going to be Ridley.
4: Two running back rooms I can't get a handle on. Miami is just, you know. It's plug and play. <laughs> San Francisco, Southeast. Yeah. But then another is Philly. Do you guys have – a read on this with DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny, and Kenneth Gainwell. We
6: were we were hoping you'd tell us who the uh, I
0: like Swift man. starters. I like, I like Gainwell. Of I like we Swift. don't have I mean, a Gainwell's read. awesome, but I, you know, I just uh, there's something about Swift, man. I, he might be one of the more talented guys they've had in the backfield. Well, in the there's
6: last five of here. us. We could all say five different yeah, names. Could, if you yeah, want. yeah, let's call our shots. The Bottom line is, it doesn't matter name. in Philly
0: because they're so good up front. I mean, there's so much space to to operate uh for for whoever's back there
7: we were talking about it on today's show the fact that like it looks like it's Kenny Gainwell who is going to get the most touches but he might be more of a between the 20s guy yeah there's going to be at least three involved running backs and the truth if you look at last year was last year Miles Sanders was pretty much the dude for fantasy he finished as the running back 13 Mm -hmm. and so you think oh he was awesome he had double digit touchdowns he was great except he really kind of sucked for fantasy if you're in a home league because it it, it was unpredictable. You never knew when to start him, and even though he had a couple big games, his consistency was so bad for the running back position that I think he hurt you as much as he helped you, and that was with a really strong season-long finish. So if you remove that and you split it up a couple of ways – uh, I I that's, I don't really want to play there. That's what's so funny. Like both Super Bowl teams last yeah. year,
6: and this is why the running back position is in tumult a little bit. Like both Super Bowl teams, you know, they didn't have just one guy contributing at, at the running back position. Yeah, Pacheco and and McKinnon and Clyde edwards alaire and then on the other side, Miles Sanders and Boston Scott and Gainwell. Like these were the best of the best teams, yeah. and and it seems like more and more, you know, people. You, you mentioned Miami. It's like. Who's it going to be? It's going to be all of them. I mean, that's the answer. It'll be Mostert. And then as soon as you're like, all right, I got confidence to put Mostert in my lineup, (laughs) it'll be a Jeff Wilson week. Gotcha. And then yeah, I mean, it's just going to be, you know, that's why those top tier backs are so hard to come by. Because you're kind of, you know, you're casting lots a little bit with some of these these other rosters.
0: And if you pick, uh, you know, any of those Philly guys, as, as these guys pointed out, I mean, Jalen Hurts is going to poach some touchdowns. So, oh, yes, he yeah. will. you know, that's yeah. that's an issue there. How do you guys uh, kind of triangulate somebody's season if they're on the trade block? You know, like somebody that you're pretty sure is going to get moved. You know, is there ever an opportunistic grab uh, as you see somebody uh, being a little bit upwardly mobile when it comes to fantasy if they get dealt?
6: It's funny because the one name that comes to my head from last year that did see that upward movement was TJ Hawkinson yeah. in that in that trade where we were kind of waiting for some sort of consistency to form in Detroit. Yeah. And he was the kind of but, – but it hasn't – there haven't been a lot of those yeah. where it's like you're looking at a midseason trade and having enough confidence that – not only are they going to arrive on this better situation, but they're going to have opportunities right away to, to contribute. So that was kind of an outlier to me, having him make an impact.
8: Yeah, we we certainly on, on the podcast we cover when when the the rumor mill starts firing up that a player is going to be traded and kind of make the speculation, hey, if you want to go put in a low ball offer for this player right now, you can do it. But – I mean like the Hawkinson one if I remember it right that kind of caught everybody off guard Mm -hmm. at least publicly we we didn't know that was going to happen and then the one that everyone was sure was going to happen was Kareem Hunt was going to get last year from the from the Cleveland Browns and then that never happened because they said Kareem's a big part of this team and then they shut him down (laughs) like they didn't put him back on the field so it's uh, it part of fantasy football is just It's the ebbs and the flows of what is the actual public opinion Mm -hmm. of this player right now. So it's there's all the stuff on the field, but then there's all the the uh, the psychology of what do people actually think about this guy right now, and if they're moved, you know, you make your make your gambles of will that actually pay off. Yeah,
4: Mike, Jason, Andy, you guys are talking to uh, the person in America who picked Romeo Dobbs the Mm -hmm. highest out of anyone else. Okay. um Was it the seventh round last year? Yeah, I
0: fucking. I just. I, you know, I'd, I'd like to take a chance uh, at looking like a genius. you the know like Nobody champ. remembers your seventh round pick except for in this situation, I guess. I was a year <laughs> early on Romeo Dobbs. That's right. Okay. So who? So who is this? The end of the question? Yeah. No, you got it. <laughs> How's <laughs> Romeo more Dobbs doing this year? Should <laughs> I just draft wanted to bring him? it up. Yeah, big Romeo. Should I draft him? And and, and so, what do you think about Dontavian Wicks? Probably not draftable, but man, pretty fucking impressive. Keep out an there eye out. You
8: know? yep. Sure, uh, I'll go back to Romeo Dobbs real quick, and it was it made seventh is that's that's pretty aggressive. For, yeah, for a I'm no, I'm a little uh,
0: bit of a wild card in the in the draft. Room. <laughs> but but that's
8: all leagues have that. Every single league has a draft. Yeah, you guy. are <laughs> in. There will be multiple picks. There's going to be multiple picks. Where you go oh. Well, that was interesting because <laughs> that, that, that was off the script, and it's great. Those picks need it's to happen fun. because it at the end of the year, like crazy stuff happens. Yes. It's the NFL. You take chances, but but Romeo Dobbs, like he started actually okay for a rookie. I mean, you had the wide receiver twelve finish in in week three, making Who some plays here and there, and then unfortunately the the injury is what I think derailed him yeah. now. Dobbs is back to being the king of the offseason because he was mm-hmm. he was the king of the offseason last yeah. year where it was they trade up for Christian Watson, size speed freak, but he's missing off camp. And Romeo Dobbs has got that hype train rolling. Yeah. He's got it rolling again. Yeah. I mean, getting all the snaps, getting deep targets from Jordan Love that they're showing off uh in on on the Twitter sphere. So I'm I'm interested. I think that Romeo Dobbs could be in that that post hype sleeper category
7: where he actually comes through and he's a usable player this year we we actually have a sleeper episode coming up here pretty soon i'll i'll uh peel the curtain back yeah. one of us actually has romeo Dobbs yeah. as our sleeper pick we so go. we're with you okay
4: it was round nine i didn't mean round,
7: that. Nine. Yeah. Fuck oh, oh, round nine me. that's a totally different thing
0: it is you know Round nine that's fine yeah exactly
4: so, <laughs> all right. We talked about faces in new places. Would would you be more surprised if Darren Waller is tight end one or tight end ten? Ten? Ooh.
8: That'd be way more surprising. Uh,
7: two or ten? No. Then I would say he's just,
8: no. He's just saying what's what's more surprising. So success or failure?
7: Uh,
0: in what's that sense, higher failure the, is the yeah is the
7: fl- yeah the f- failure would be more surprising. I think we're floor. all really high on Darren Waller, what he's done in camp, all the reports that he's just dominating both the players and the targets. Yeah. And so for fantasy, I do think he's going to be outstanding this year. It's hard to say one, though, because there's a guy in Kansas yeah, City who's good. who's literally a Greek god and won't, <laughs> won't age out of football somehow. So
0: here's a question for you. We have a, an award we give out every week on this show called the St. Louis Rams Memorial Award, which is basically – a guy who balls out and nobody's watching the game at all because the team sucks or whatever. It's kind of a callback to my illustrious career. Uh, but I'm wondering. Uh, hey, <laughs> we're
8: we're Cardinals fans yeah, over okay. here, so we, you, we remember who you are, who you NFC are West. sir. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we we, we the, remember the, you. Six
0: million people nationally who are watching the NFC West <laughs> uh, when we're playing. But the question is, who is an STL Memorial fantasy guy this year that nobody's going to be watching? Okay. And you can almost use that factor uh to your advantage in drafting a guy that people aren't thinking about because of where they play.
6: I got one for you cuz we'll, we'll go straight to the NFC West for it. Hollywood Brown yes. they have a year yeah. in an absolute you know, no one watches the games. Yeah. <laughs> Clayton Tune, Colt McCoy, eventually Kyler, not a lot of victories, but Hollywood is he's a player, man. Yeah, and yeah, he's he's a good player. He's going to demand the targets. Uh Hopkins, I mean He's not there anymore, so so Hollywood's going to get it done. I don't know how many people are going to watch it happen, but he he's a sneaky pick. Are you worried yeah, about those... Are you
0: worried about Cooper Cup along the same vein? Because I don't think LA is going to be very good, and I don't know how healthy Matt Stafford is all year, and you know the target shares might be up. I I don't know, but like how does it feels
6: that... fragile? Feel... It feels yes. fragile with Stafford okay. and with that offense, but but if Stafford's out there, I'm not worried okay. about Cup. Okay.
8: Yeah, he was just Cooper Cup was so far and away still the best wide receiver last year. Yeah. Like you had, it it turned into the Justin Jefferson year, of course, because end of season he was the number one guy, uh had a huge season. But Jefferson did have a couple hiccups in the resume this past year. Meanwhile, before Cooper Cup went down, I mean he was averaging multiple points per game more than Justin Jefferson, and. He seems healthy. Like we got that good cup news. Yeah, back at practice. That he's back at practice seems like he should be ready to go. So uh, fragile is the right word. That if this offensive line can't come together and protect Stafford, who has had kind of a few years running now of, he's he's an older guy and he's taken a lot of hits in his career. If if Stafford goes out, that would be uh, a pretty big downgrade to Cooper Cup. It wouldn't be the end of Cooper Cup because he's just too good. Yeah but his that situation feels more fragile than like uh kirk cousins with with jefferson
0: who's going to be the most overdrafted player in this draft
8: (laughs) Uh, like before the last couple of days i would have said jonathan taylor uh you have but the public is kind of starting to react appropriately because we're not we're not 100% sure what is going on in Indianapolis. It, it seemed very much like a, a contract dispute. He, we have the, the infamous hour-long bus meeting yeah. with, with the team owner. That was weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have the leak that said, no, Jonathan Taylor has said, I want to be traded because mm-hmm. he's trying to get that money. Don't blame mm-hmm. him. But <laughs> but there, then the team's like, no, we're not going to trade you, which – uh, it, trading a running back can be very, very difficult. And then you're like, oh, no, Jonathan Taylor is actually still hurt from this ankle situation for the past year. And by all accounts, he should have been ready to go a while ago. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty scary just dealing with the injury, dealing with the contract. Then you have to factor in uh, it'll be Anthony Richardson at the quarterback, quarterback position. Well, who yeah. it, He's a rookie quarterback, and he's a mobile quarterback. Both of those things are not great for fantasy football output from the running back position, but he's still Jonathan Taylor. Like, yeah. There's no doubt like, that, that guy is still a top five running back in the NFL, but will his opportunities, will his health allow him to be what he was two years ago? And currently I would bet on no. Yeah, I, I think I could throw one more name. Yeah, I got one next. too. Go.
6: Joe Burrow. Oh, Ooh. that was my name. Oh, yeah, <clears throat> I – I think that's the tough one that because was... cause he's going – like you've got Allen Mahomes and Hurts that are going to go ahead of Burrow. Mm-hmm. But then you've got guys who really like later, the Justins, right? Justin Fields, Justin Herbert. And here's Joe Burrow kind of like – you know, it's just tough when you're not a mobile quarterback. Yeah. I mean, he's, a, he's an outstanding pro, outstanding real-life quarterback. But if the, the touchdown variation, right? Like if, if he throws, you know, 40, you're, you're happy. You know, if he, th- if he throws 33, you, he's overdrafted. Yeah.
7: Yeah. yeah, for sure. And and you also have the risk with the calf of re-aggravation as the season goes on and or the worry that – like, he wasn't that mobile already. I think he had about 250 rushing yards last year. And obviously for fantasy, rushing is worth more to a quarterback than passing, so it's more valuable for fantasy points. But that could go down. You know, if he's worried about the calf, doesn't want to have re-aggravation, maybe he only has 100 to 150 rushing yards this year.
0: Quick question for you guys. I got I got a couple just general. Number one, how many leagues is too many? <laughs>
6: <laughs> oh man, that we get that question a lot. People think we play in like, you know, like a hundred of them. <laughs> we intentionally carve it down so that we can enjoy Sunday and actually root for players. Yeah, nothing I worse mean, yeah. than... we we got uh, two or three that are like live and breathe. Will make or break our mm-hmm. emotional state for the weekend, right? Um, and then we're in a handful of other ones sometimes together. Uh, you need to have a rooting interest. I for mean, sure,
7: for sure, and, and it depends on the type of league because I feel like you can have a couple extra dynasty mm-hmm. leagues where you're not doing waiver wires every day mm-hmm. and, you know, grinding as much. Um, but for me, it's like any more than five leagues, and I am going to hate life. Yeah, the the game on a Sunday where you're like, I need David
8: Montgomery to score – over thirteen points, but under seventeen <laughs> points. in the yeah, like, that's, it's a
0: fucking mess, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just that's not
8: a it's not a healthy place to live yeah. when your margin for victory is so small, and, and it relies on success. Yet not too much yeah. success. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's like uh, it's like betting a couple teasers and and having the <laughs> yeah. under and the over and you don't even know what to you do. What You're to like, do. am I am I crying yeah. right now? <laughs>
4: Uh, the answer is yes to this question. Is your favorite draft a salary cap draft?
7: Ooh. Uh, yes. Right answer. Because you said <laughs> right that answer. is the yes. answer. Um, I also think that for us specifically doing full-time fantasy for many, many, many years, it, if salary leagues are, uh, you know, an auction league, it gives an advantage to the People who know more about fantasy football, know all the players, know the value of everyone. Because in a normal redraft league, sometimes who you're going to take, it's not even – you don't have a choice, right? Like you you don't get to – like everyone likes Justin Jefferson, but did you get one of the first two picks? Because if not, you don't even need to worry about that. You're not in play. But when every single player is available for every single manager, then you're like, okay, who knows the most? So in that sense, it can be the most fun. Personally – my favorite is is still the redraft, is the keeper league, is is just the, the fun drafting leagues that are
6: – That don't take like 12, 15
0: hours <laughs> yeah, to get the, a draft the, over the au- with?
7: The auction ones could take a while.
0: Um, last one for you here, Hall of Famers in fantasy. And I ask this because Ooh. of performances. I don't mean, you know, Austin Eckler. I mean like one night where everybody's ass was on the line – and this guy came through, you like know, those chimera, unforgettable. Yeah, the six TD Camara game, uh, stuff like that. Like to, the past few years, are there some unforgettable unfor- late yes. season performances that you guys uh, talk
8: about? I'll jump in here because top ahead, it goes to Mike Evans Yes, sir. championship week last year where like Mike Evans had had just a, a stretch of dreadful, games, a stretch of games where the output was year. not what you needed from Mike Evans. Yeah. And then he came through. Jay, do you want to pull up the stat line? Oh, I've, was, I've got him. He I mean, went
7: 12 targets, 10 receptions, 207 yards, three touchdowns. I mean. And he – you're talking to the yeah. champion yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> and you know who I had in my lineup. because You bought a jersey. I bought a signed jersey immediately. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I,
6: I remember – I don't remember exactly the week or stat line, but I remember Todd Gurley's – the first McVeigh year. Mm-hmm. After everyone was down on it. It was him. pretty much every week. But it was every week, but it also carried right through the playoffs where it was like you watched Todd Gurley play a half and you had won your week. Yeah. I mean, it was over. It was over. Yeah.
8: And then uh, shout out just a couple years ago because you have you, you, the
6: players who made a big impact
8: for a very small amount of time. Uh, I was a big fan of Jeremy Hill yeah. <laughs> who was on the <laughs> on the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, oh yeah, you beat me with. Yeah. So Giovanni Bernard goes down unfortunately to injury. It's Jeremy Hill's backfield. He turns into a monster, including championship week. I believe it was like a seventy-yard house call against the
7: Denver Broncos, and it was just, that was against me, not e- the Broncos. Yes, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
8: And then it was it was over after that. I was a champion.
7: Uh, I I have Todd Gurley's uh, championship week line yeah, from that first me. year. Uh, he was uh, twenty-two carries for one hundred and eighteen yards. 10 receptions for 158 oh, receiving yards gosh. and two receiving touchdowns. So yeah, that goes in the Hall of Fame. That's, that's sure. why I remembered that's
0: it. That's all. That's wild. We got to ask you the sh- you know the, for the shooting stars, the Jeremy Hills of the world another uh, time you come back, but I just I wanted to give people a heads up on a couple of things that these guys are doing. Number one, this is very cool. Uh the f- fantasy footballers have raised over 250k for St. Jude's. Uh, Children's Hospital from the sales of their ultimate draft kit, which I will be purchasing if I need to purchase it. I think it probably uh, over the last five years they've done this. So uh, appreciate what you guys do. Currently the number one sports podcast worldwide. We got the boys on the the show right now. And then uh, uh, August 26th, these guys are going to be live in L.A. So if you live in L.A., you listen to the show, go check these guys out. Um, Where is that show?
6: It's at the Palace Theater in Los Angeles. Okay. It's going to be fun. Nice.
4: Have you done it yes, before? Saturday. Have you done a live show?
7: We we've done a lot of live shows. Most years we tour and hit about 4 or 5 places around the country, do some smaller shows, some some uh uh you know, more packed out smaller venues. This time though, 1000 seat Palace Theater, it's it's going to be People like a their fantasy wild theater. environment they like their fantasy. That's
4: what's called a neg. We're like, hey, you're the number one show in the country. Have you ever done a live show? You <laughs> oh, <he's laughs>
0: spill your water,
4: huh? You're spilling your drink. You alright? That's okay. Alright. Right. <laughs> 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 uh, CJ Spiller. <laughs> Romeo
0: Dobbs. Buffalo Bills. Oh, Who nice. else is CJ? Oh. Romeo Dobbs. Round nine. You're talking to a champion here. Like, I'm going to win this year, guys, with your help. Thank you. He's too proud to buy your thing, but I'm going to buy the thing. <laughs> he thinks Appreciate he's a fucking y'all take it easy man and enjoy it come back another time thanks to cash app for sponsoring this podcast with their security free to order debit card and a suite of savings and bank tools it feels like they're my money's bff and speaking of bffs if you pay attention to the podcast you know that all of our bffs are on the green light softball squad we're into softball so much that dr fax challenged me to a home run derby Matt and Reed put a little side bet on it, and after Fax came out on top, it was easy enough for Matt to pay up and Cash App Reed his winnings. I wish I could have defeated Dr. Fax and helped Matt take Reed's money, but Reed's now slightly richer thanks to Dr. Fax and Cash App. With security, discounts, boosts, a free-to-order debit card, no overdraft fees, Cash App is like a BFF for your money. So download it in the App Store or Google Play today and start enjoying your BFF app. Sad update from over the weekend. That whale died. The um, the whale that Jim Irsay was going to save. The whale's name was uh, Tokate. Died in transit. Um, hopefully, Jonathan Taylor makes it to his next team. That's dark. I don't mean it like, <laughs> I. <laughs> but like you know, shit has been fucked up, fucked up on the on the. Uh, Wait, who's Lolita? That's a that's that's a, a novel. Lolita's a novel about a young girl subject. yeah it's a young girl and this older guy and it's not is that a jim ursay thing
3: that's another whale or orca. They,
0: they named a whale lolita <laughs>
3: this,
4: this is what i saw this is what i saw i weekend. had to act like i read that book my first <laughs> year of multiple, college we've lost multiple whales yeah we've lost <laughs> a couple <laughs> whales
0: this weekend okay but the colts are losing a uh, running back maybe so jonathan taylor has uh permission to seek a trade he, uh, he was given his walking papers by Jim Irsay. Uh The Colts have said, hey, open the lines of communication. Let's see what we can get for this guy. Take a walk, man. And if I'm Jonathan Taylor, I'm really happy. I'm probably already on the phone calling a few teams, uh, you know, his agent would be. The list of teams is pretty short. When you look at the, you know, cap space teams have, I mean, you start with the Cardinals. They got $23 million. You don't want to kill a guy and not win games in the process. That's kind of the nature of of, of taking on a high-value running back is you want to be in the dance when you do. Cardinals, teams like that, not ready. I mean, like the Panthers have been thrown around. I think they're further off than people think. The Panthers with the number four cap space in the league, the Lions, Shitter's full, Indy, obviously that's that's where he's leaving. Chicago Bears have come up. Chicago Bears have come up, and really, if you're Ryan Pace and Ian Yates Cunningham and Ibrahulus, you have to decide how close are we? Because in a division like that, you had a dynamic back with a running quarterback. I know the fantasy footballers just talked about it. You don't want a dynamic back with a running quarterback when it comes to usage in a PPR league, but in reality, this would this would add a, a you know a pretty solid uh, component to their running. They're replacing David Montgomery. I mean, you could use a solid run game with a young quarterback like that. Jacksonville has popped up, and we just talked about this off camera. Nolan brought up a good point is, you know, uh, Tank Bigsby has come on, and you talk about the need to complement Travis Etienne, a guy who bounces the football. You need a guy who runs the ball downhill. Well, they might have just found cheap labor there, like no need to go sell the farm to go get Jonathan Taylor. Uh, The point being as you go down this list and teams have less and less cap space, they're either really good like the Kansas city chiefs and they're in the black right now. Uh, they're in the red right now, rather. And then Tampa Bay, who's also in the red, like they're, they're a ways off. Like you, you're not competing for anything. So my favorite teams, um, and he's probably already talking to these teams a little bit are the Ravens, the Chargers, the Cowboys. Uh, and I'll tell you why the Cowboys, I think, you know, you're replacing Zeke you would be exceeding the value that you had at running back last year. If you're Philly and that's who they have to beat to get into the thing, I mean, they're going to get in anyways, probably it's a very talented team, but you know, Philly's the team to beat in the NFC East. When I was in Philly, we couldn't beat Zeke. You know, we needed to play Alfred Morris to beat the Cowboys. Now I'm not saying Jerry's looking at that like, uh, it's, you know, I've learned my lesson. I got to have a Zeke. Uh, to beat the Eagles in that talented front. They have that solid defense, but having a back like that would put them right back in the conversation. I mean, they're in the conversation now, but you add a back like that, and I I don't think people up in Philly would be very happy because that's somebody you got to see twice a year. He's very physical. The Chargers, man, I love the Chargers as a destination. They seem more all-in than anybody. Um, You know, if you look at teams that are all-in this year, they got to be up top on that list. Uh, you know, they got a new, new coordinator. They have a great third down back. I don't think Josh Kelly being the downhill guy is going to keep them from having this conversation. They have the cap space to do it. And in division, like check the fucking chief's chin, man, twice a year. Check the Broncos chin. We know what, what the Raiders rush defense looks like. Um, this would give them a differentiating factor in that division. I would love the move and I'd love the move in Baltimore. Okay. Uh, Because in Baltimore, you've given Lamar help on the outside. You've got a new coordinator there. They're going to run some more creative stuff. Uh, Add a wrinkle um, with Jonathan Taylor. The quarterback run game, although it's not great in fantasy, as we mentioned with fantasy footballers, in real life having a motherfucker at quarterback who can tuck and run and a big back, it's really tough on the defense. So I really like those three teams. Uh, you know, we talked about Jacksonville. People are talking about that. If you search Jonathan Taylor's name right now, you'd see 32 teams. Everybody wants Jonathan Taylor. I'm pretty sure some people in Arizona are like, "Let's get Jonathan Taylor." You never know. You know, we've got Kyler. You had Jonathan Taylor. Got some Zach Ertz in there. Maybe we're not tanking. Yes, you are tanking. Like, you don't need a running back, but some of these teams do. And I, I think it's going to be interesting. I would I would make this move depending on, you know, and it, the cap hit's not bad. I think it's like $6 million or something this year. It's $4 million. So it's really about then signing him to a new deal down the road. So it's got to be a team that feels like they can do that in unison with their best players, that they have the cap space right now, these three teams I did mention. And they also have to be teams that are in the dance right now, and those three teams fit the bill. Cowboys, Chargers, Ravens. He could go anywhere, but – I do feel like those are the best contending teams that could add a really good back right now and see, see the benefits. Um, quarterbacks this weekend, looking at the, uh, the preseason, I watched them to a tape. Boy, Nolan's got a fucking a take quake, as some would call it. You want to hit us with that on the Miami subject?
3: I will. Uh, the only reason I'm, I'm resistant to bet the Dolphins going into the season, we've talked a lot about the talent on that roster, yes. top to bottom is the durability of Tua. So with that being uh, a possibility, maybe unfortunately more likely than not, I think the first call going out of South Beach in the event of a Tua injury is to Minnesota yeah, to bring it's Kirk. Eden Prairie. Right. Let's get you exactly. down to the beach. yep
0: Yeah, I think, that, I, I think there's something to that. We both talked about, you know, Kirk maybe not finishing the season with the Vikings because somebody's going to have a need, some contender. Uh, contract year. And and we like Kirk. Contract year the whole thing. We like Kirk. Uh he's got an incentive to play well the whole thing. Um he doesn't need one. The guy's fucking he wants to be great all the time. You watch the Netflix documentary, the guy's locked in, but can you imagine Kirk on South Beach? You got to put the flannels away.
3: All the chains.
0: You got yeah, you got yeah, Kirko chains will be out there, but you got to put the flannels away, man. I I think it's an interesting point. Um you know, we also the Dolphins came up in this conversation because they struck out on Dalvin Cook, but just because they would do X doesn't mean they do Y. And it feels like the Dolphins are a plug-and-play kind of running back by committee team, yep. where like maybe you use that that uh, that that cap space, the draft capital, like it's an emergency down there t- up front. Taren, uh Taren Armstead, who's a hell of a player, Teron Armstead, who's a hell of a player, um, got hurt, you know, this past week. He left practice, a little bit of a cloudy circumstance that we didn't. He posted a picture or a video of him walking on his foot. It was like TMI, man. I didn't yeah. you see your barefoot foot yep. uh, today. But, like, he was walking. He was putting weight on it. They talk about maybe this guy's coming back by week one. But, you know, it's not even about that to me. It's about the fact that they're not really shored up at, at many of the other spots up front. And if this guy gets hurt, it's going to be – it's going to be ugly. I mean, I saw Austin Jackson playing some for them. I don't know if he would actually get the reps. I don't know who would play left tackle if the season started tomorrow, but they would be sorting shit out and they're too talented to leave, especially with a quarterback who's, who's taken the steps. Um, but he's had durability issues and honestly would like a good clean pocket. I mean, he's the kind of guy who would like yeah. a good clean pocket. I don't think he's great when he's pressured. You got to go out and get somebody and, Bakhtiari came up, right, because we were watching the Packers tape, and people were talking about Bakhtiari might be traded, and obviously everybody's talking about the Jets there, and they have the room to do it. If I'm the Jets, I go get this guy yesterday. Like uh, It's going to cost him $2 million this year. Now, I don't know if Green Bay sour grapes because of the way that, that negotiation went, but I figure what's the incentive for the Packers to do it? It's, it's, it's probably – just to gain some draft capital. Assets. I mean, they're not really dumping a big salary. It's a couple million dollars. But I think you could high-end get a three for him. We were talking about this earlier. I feel like a three, you'd be pretty happy if you were the Packers and you got a three for Bakhtiari. Coming off you know, injuries, right? Is he, he's been dinged up and that yep. sort of thing. He's going to be happier with Aaron. He's probably on his wish list. He's probably at the top of his wish list. And he's been one of the best tackles in the game the past 10 years. So I think that's a big lift to a team like the Jets. Jets are in the same boat as the Dolphins, in my opinion. Wildly talented. But there's a huge position of neglect. Uh, I don't think they did. Obviously, Joe Douglas tried. You know, with Makai Becton, he's been hurt. Dwayne Brown, good vet, that sort of thing. They had Fant up there for a while. They just haven't quite been able to settle on two stalwart guys. If you can go give up a third... For a guy like David Bakhtiar. and I'm not trying to make it seem that that simple, but if it was that simple, go do it. You know, um, we saved the Packers 21-5 in 2024, so you talk about incentive. There's your incentive, and uh, you know they'd, they'd be they're down to 10 million cap space in New York, I think, so you can still do it. It works for everybody. Some backups here for for the Jets because it's an emergency. Everybody's talking about these quarterback trades, these other trades like. Tackle is a position that I'm going to get a Colton Miller. I'm going to get a DJ Humphreys. Like, I don't care who it is, but I need a guy who can function protecting this asset that we just went out and got. And, you know, Colton Miller, that, that'd that be 14 and a quarter in cap space. I don't think the Raiders are going anywhere this year. DJ Humphreys, guy who's been in Arizona his whole career, 6 mil. That's what it would cost. So these are starting caliber tackles in the NFL, and that's what these guys need. These guys need – Stability, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or, uh, or or Tua, you know Tua had some nice throws. He had Barrios uh, over the middle of the field. It's uh, when he fits the ball in between tight coverage. Sometimes it, it looks like he's doing it on purpose, but I'm not sure then because I watched the first play, and you know he throws the ball right at the Mike linebacker. Right? When he when he's slinging it in there, um, you know between a zone, or he gets somebody turned in man. He's got a tight window in the middle of the field, man. He he, he looks sharp, and uh, it's all going to be about keeping him upright. I mean, they got a shot if they can keep him upright. Uh, looking at the Pats bouncing around that division, uh, Mac Jones looked fine. He looked fine. I'm interested to see how much they're going to be under center. Interested to see if they're going to be running a lot more gun with Bill O'Brien. Um, you know, Unique Barre, this kid from Green Bay, kind of reminds me of Mod Brooks. I'm a little lazy with the jersey number. But this guy's a big body. He's obviously strong. He might be their third rusher up in Green Bay. And I gotta tell you, I watched Jordan Love. It's not awful. It's not awful. Uh Green Bay, a little bullish on them. Little bullish on them. Um, you know, they they they've got a couple good rushes up there in Preston Smith and Rashawn For- Gary, who's gonna be back this year from from that injury. So uh watch Jimmy G. I think his left foot's still bothering him, right? It's his left foot, I think, because, you know, he's, he's, he's not playing that thing. I mean, he, he saw some pressure. It's not a lot of snaps, but he looked a little tentative on that left foot. So something to keep an eye on. Purdy looked good, okay? He looked like himself, rolling left, flipping his hips between three defenders. Like, it's funny when you watch preseason football, some of the schemes can actually give you a headache. And then you watch San Francisco, and like the first play, somebody's open. Yeah. Like, they just create space. Yeah. It's 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 refreshing when you got to get down in the weeds and watch some of these preseason games where the offenses are shitty or, you know, the quarterbacks are young, and then you watch a, a well-oiled machine like that. Purdy looked good. I mean, I'm happy with what I see there from him. I didn't watch a ton of preseason other than the quarterbacks this, this weekend. So, uh, you know, I know we're talking about Diggs. Uh, possibly wanting a trade out of Buffalo. I don't know. We don't think he's going anywhere, do we? No. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Kayvon Thibodeau, the one guy I did watch, I watched a little bit of Thibodeau, people are going to say, hey, you had a sack this weekend. The sack was nice. Uh, Icky Ike who's checking the b gap. It's probably an ME. Uh, he's basically unblocked. But this is the way things go. People are probably praising that play the very next play. He had a beautiful BG-like, you know, kind of bold jerk to a rip, and he looked like he was running downhill. I mean, he, he when he gets going, he does a good job of running that hoop uh, at full speed, and that's where he's got to get. And I, th- I saw some encouraging things from him. So, Will McDonald's making a lot of noise, talking about young rushers, excited to see him play, but mostly just focus on the quarterbacks right now, you know, uh, and that's what you should be focused on, uh, where the ball is going, because you're all fucking fiending for fantasy football. I hope you enjoyed the the, the fantasy football uh, dudes we just had on. Fantasy footballers, they are awesome. I really did watch a, a good bit of their YouTube, so reminder, check them out. And now we've got Jeff Fisher, who uh, it's a guy we should call more, honestly. He's got great stories. It's like on a day like today where there's not a lot to talk about, it's pretty easy to stretch 30 minutes with fish. Helps that I played for him, but he's going to tell you a few of them. I uh, hope you enjoy him, and we will be back later in the week after fish.
3: Saints general manager Mickey Loomis. There you
0: go. Okay, cool. So Saints fans, come back later in the week. Here's Jeff Fisher. Good news: the Thursday show we do with Amp will continue 4:30 every Thursday. The Green Light Team, Cowboy Reed, Facts, Kingston. Uh, I'll pop through there sometimes
2: on Amp. You can interact with us really easily. There's a call-in button. We invite call-ins all the time. You can talk directly to us, ask us questions, ask us our favorite music. We might even play some. There's also a live chat during the show. If you have a question about a topic we're talking about, fired off in the chat, we'll answer.
0: We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be doing what we've been doing all fall, uh, every Thursday at 4:30 on Amp. Uh, check us out. Always a good day when I got Coach Fisher on. Uh, He's the right guy to talk to. He's uh, lorded over a couple training camps. We are technically still in training camp. Coach Fisher, how you doing? Thanks for joining the show, man. Doing great.
1: Always. Great to be yeah. here.
0: Yeah, man. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's uh, it's a little bit more relaxing this time of year for me, as you know. I feel like every time <laughs> I talk to you, I got to remind you of that. But uh, Fish so ran good. a good camp, everybody out there. He was fair. We worked hard. But you know the thing about i don't know if you realize this fish i don't know if i ever told you this but we were working really fucking hard but it never felt like it like you know if people ask like how are coach fisher's practices i'd be like you know come to think of it they're kind of hard but we actually we you, you made it fun and you made it competitive so we weren't thinking about that was that intentional and like how did you approach getting well, that competitive you know, stuff out yeah of camp?
1: you know well you got to get it but you got to be careful you got safety's got to be the issue and you got everybody got treat everybody differently because people have different needs but what you want to do is the what you don't want to do is have guys out there in a routine that no you're in the middle of a team and all you have is 12 more plays a team and then you've got this and then you got that and then practice is over. So I tried to vary everything just so all of a sudden when the horn blew you're done. Yeah. And so you just don't want that routine and it makes practice go faster and then you know you spend all the time in situations but try to avoid that. But you know it's um it's different obviously now it's different because you know, you you don't have much time. Uh, there's three games. You know, you remember? I don't know how many you played in. Did you play at all the last couple of years in the preseason? Well, you, you know, the, you the, the couple, couple of years,
0: the couple years I got hurt. I know you had to see something out me out of me, and I think there was an Atlanta game where I looked over at the sideline late in the second, and I was like, "Yo, what the fuck?" <laughs> yeah. But it was. Well, there was
1: talking about us. I was talking about at your at the end your last yeah. two years. Yeah, like no, last year, years. In new England, you didn't do much. You didn't well, take play
0: much preseason. No, I didn't play much. Well, I played some in New England because it was new scheme and that sort of thing. I was coming yeah. from you alls scheme that they were reducing me more to a three. Uh, and yeah. in Philly, they were super fair about it. You know, they were yeah. like, hey, you're old. We, we know yeah. what you are, what you're not. So um, take a seat. And that was cool until we had it clinched and it was zero degrees and we were playing the, the yeah. Cowboys week 17. Yeah. And yeah. me and a couple older guys are out there well into the second quarter. And I'm like, man, this is like worse than a preseason game. I'm tackling yeah. Zeke. I can see my yeah. breath. Uh, it means nothing. Uh, re-
1: yeah, your recovery the next three days after that is a lot different than recovering from a preseason game. Exactly, so that's the big deal. You got to bring it back. But what, yeah. what,
0: what? Give me a sense of the hours that coaches work in preseason because I don't think people at home realize. Like, I don't think they know that players are there all day doing meetings and film. Some people, but the coaches even more so. You were good about, I think, like giving guys time. You know, the the assistant coaches they always seemed really happy walking down the hall. It was something you were doing. But like, nah.
1: but yeah, like, were there coaches you, what, you coach get...
0: with that like were you know drill sergeants?
1: Well, I I mean I had one that I had to back down, um, and I, you cross paths with him. Rest his soul was Gunther Cunningham. Yeah, and you know when Gunther got got let go by the Chiefs, he barricaded himself in his basement, and so <laughs> I I reached out to him and said, "Hey man, come on!" I said, "Let me handle all the other stuff." that you just didn't like and once you come be my linebacker coach and and so he did but one of the things i had to do early on i mean gunther was the first one in the building and the last one to leave and you know he's dragging his ass out there on wednesday trying to uh you know install the game plan with some energy and you don't have it and so i just kind of my thing was look it's not a race. You get your work done, go home. You know, here's when our staff meetings are going to be. Here's when this is going to be. But beyond that, let the coordinators decide. It's not a contest to see who can put the most time in. Get your work done, be productive, get it done. So, you know, training camp, you know, there's always something going on in training camp from a head coach's perspective. It's it's the the event of the day, the thing that you've already scheduled months prior to that, and everything is going on during the day, but it's those things that come up, and then in addition to that, you're you know you're you're constantly planning. It's uh you're you're getting ready for obviously getting ready for the open. You got to monitor reps, and you got to monitor injuries, and you got to do all those things. So some of that stuff is better done at the office than it is at home. But yeah, there's a there, you know it's time consuming. But the other thing is is you know you're not really in that two practice a day world anymore you know you're gonna have a walk through the practice and then you know you know how we are how we we change things up and so try to have the crisp practice try to build the full speed try to do your thing monitor it. but it's it's definitely time consuming and you can see the frustration when when things are people are forced to change i think i think tennessee and new england just just kind of aborted some some joint practices and they because of the injury you probably already talked about yeah um but i just read that i go man that changes the week yeah so you know so now you got to scramble and you know you got to reschedule the week because when you guys come in we gotta we gotta know what we're talking about and what we're doing
0: yeah what about the joint practices we i mean i feel like we had a few i know we had some when i was young uh i think i was a rookie and we went to nashville and like the the draw of the joint practice is real competition is different looks. You know, for me, I love like I hated one on one pass rush when I was going against the same guy every day because I'm not getting the same look. Me and Havenstein, we kind of we have it down by now. But like, you know, when you go to another team, you see different sets. You also get the competitive juices. But what you do get too is these fights. And there was a big one when when we came to Tennessee. I've, I remember Cortland was involved before I knew court. I was like, OK, that guy likes to fight. Uh, and then we also had a big one in Oxnard too. What? How do you Were you guys there do, in
1: Oxnard for that? Were you there for that? One? Yeah, did I got you caught go?
0: on camera over by the oh. fence. Uh, oh, did throwing you a stand couple paymakers. Oh,
1: yeah, that one. I knew that was coming. You guys. I mean, I. I don't ever. Told, told that story but i knew it was becoming because of the conduct of one of the dallas cowboy players who wasn't practicing and you i reached out to them to say hey look some of this stuff may be a little inappropriate is there any way you can maybe put a lid on what's being said from the sideline and when i didn't get the response i liked i knew things were going to get out of hand i don't know yes. if you remember but i put beer on the buses Uh, without you guys knowing it because i knew it wasn't good practice we weren't going to get through practice it was going to end up there and hey when it was done when the fight was over we broke it up we're on the buses and we're drinking beer on the way home oh it was
0: it was insane it was insane like this fight i don't know if you've had any like this before our fight but we had some real characters and you know dallas did have a guy who was in a hat a bucket hat talking shit and actually one of our our rookie dbs knocked him down three times in the same fight it was incredible the guy kept getting up he was he's a fairly notable player uh but yeah. it was With an it, iron
1: jaw he yeah. has he's a really a good iron
0: jaw <laughs> he has an amazing yeah. chin because he was getting wow. stuck but like there were cops running around the field like just trying to stop people i felt like i was in a heart battle like i was just running down the field yeah. looking for somebody to deck and then we end up yeah. over, by, over by the fence and the la rams fans who are as you know because you coach there like they're very passionate too and they were hanging over the fucking fence, getting involved in the action. But we got on the bus and I could not believe it. There was a cooler of beers, man. And we went back to the hotel, we had an early day because they ended practice a, an hour early and fish uh, came through with the uh, Bud Lights, so.
1: Yeah, but I knew, I, again, the point, I knew it was gonna happen the day before, just yeah. because you could see where it's going and everything. So it was. I was involved in one other. First or second year coaching, we're down in Atlanta. And Jerry Glanville is coaching the Falcons. Buddy Ryan is coaching the Eagles. And this is a this is the run and shoot Atlanta Falcons. And so you know a conventional seven on seven, you don't break up passes or do anything. You just they just take the ball down the field. And there was some frustration on behalf of one of our players. He took it out on. Andre Ryzen. Oh, by the way, I ran into, I crossed paths with them in the last year. I think it might have been out at the NFL PA game when I coached it the last couple of years, but I ran into him and man, we reminisced and had so much fun about that fight because <laughs> uh, were. it was Andre and Andre. It was Andre Waters, rest his soul and andre Ryzen and andre waters was on top sitting on andre Ryzen's chest in the middle of the field during (laughs) seven on seven and he's just rabbit punching him and that's when the whole thing started and that practice never finished either and so but yeah but there there's a there should be an understanding i mean i talked i talked extensively about going in there and respecting them and you know and not having these issues because you want to get through practice the practice you're not going to get as much out of it other than what you say you did, Chris, where you get a shot to rush against somebody else. But it's the young guys that need the work yeah. to get them ready. And so, when you know, if you can get through these practices without those, those events and things, then you get quality work. But, um, you know, I can see now because of the three preseason games, which is basically two, um, you know, because not anybody's really – playing in that last one uh the one and two are important and you're going to do joint practices around one and two just to get the the quality work so you know i haven't looked i've done the the, the survey to see who else is doing it but it makes sense to be able to do it
0: i just saw jerry glanville on google image and what a bell buckle that guy had yeah yeah he was a piece of work he had to be a piece of work uh how how about with 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 opposing coaches i always wondered this i asked kevin o'connell last week but you've been through a lot more than him uh with preseason games you know we talked about earlier like how you rest your starters or play them but also there's the element of you want good on good when you can get it you want to know hey are my ones going to be going against the threes did y'all ever wrap before games, you and other head coaches about like who's playing, who's not playing, and were some more guarding that close to the vest.
1: You know, um it really it really depends on who the relationship was with the the other head coach. Yeah. Um but it you know it's frowned upon you know, the league doesn't like it. They don't you know, want you to cut deals in preseason games. I mean, everybody knows the what the deal is going in. You yeah. like a two and a half hour game and you want 40 carries and you want some third down rushes and you don't, you want touchbacks, you know, stuff like that. But yep. yeah, I did. It was with Mike Shanahan actually. And, um, uh, we had, we had, we wanted to play some young guys and the deal was, it was funny, it's funny to bring it up. It was, um, you know, all right, I'm going to just do these formations, no motion at all. <laughs> Let's just get through the game. So there's no motion. I go, yeah, fine, no motion, no big deal. So we get to the end of the game, and Mike is he's, – he's getting ready to score and uh, scores and ends up tying the game. Now, what you don't want to do is what? You don't go, and no, Yeah. So we, Mike sends jumbo out there, goal line personnel and he motions the fullback, you know, from eye formation from a strong set to a weak set and then punched it in for two and they want something like that. And he calls the next day, apologizing about the motion. So, <laughs> no you know, problem. and the guy traveled three year, yards. He didn't cross <laughs> formation, no strength <laughs> change or nothing. But anyway, you know, it, it gets back to, you know, who you're dealing with. And I presume, I mean, you know, I would think that Tennessee and New England probably have a pretty good relationship, yep. you know, going into practice. And they're probably going to talk about it. You know, that you know, you, you want to win the game. Uh, you want to play your players. You want to develop your players. And, you know, so there is, um, you know, there's you can rub somebody wrong if you if you had an understanding and then you disregarded it. You know, so- the one thing that you look for is that, OK, it's like zero blitzes. Yeah. You know, if somebody just going to lose their freaking mind and then just blitz the shit out of you. I mean, that was, that was buddy Ryan. And when <laughs> we drafted Steve McNair and we were the, you know um, you know, he was head coach of the Arizona Cardinals and he came into came and in, we had a game canceled and this was 95 and we had a game canceled during all the move stuff. And then we come back and buddy comes in and Steve had, he hadn't played in, first game because he's it was canceled and buddy just came in and he mugs the A gaps and they're free. Steve couldn't get this nap. <laughs> and it's now I'm spending a week working him through this like shock. State of shock that he's in because he, you know, he had such so much trouble. It's like, come on,
0: buddy. You know, I'm
1: developing a quarterback. I was you know? kind of wondering
0: low. I was wondering if you ever had to talk Greg down uh when we were in St. Louis and be like hey we're not doing any fucking cover zero this week
1: oh yeah no you remember well uh, what I did was yeah I went in and said hey this is what we're going to do um or what are you going to do and then no you're not you you know (laughs) you basically but um that's where that's where it becomes a challenge um and for example I know this was an issue for Greg uh, and But to me, it's largely a head coach's issue, not uh, a Greg Williams issue. But when you're down at New Orleans and you go to camp and you got Drew Brees yeah. and you got ones versus ones, you're trying to you're trying as as hard as you can to confuse and trick Dick and and, and and beat the offense with a veteran season quarterback. It's a game, you know, and so, you know, and hey, that's all good. But you don't do that against Sam Darnold when you go to the Jets.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because <laughs> Sam
1: Darnold might just say, "I was seeing ghosts." <laughs>
0: he might say that. You know, I think I've heard of it so,
1: that. you know, yeah. So you know what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. you gotta. If you got a young quarterback then you know you have to your defense you have to tell your defense to bring him along uh to bring you know bring the young quarterback along um and no surprises that's kind of the way we, we what we did with jared
0: hey one thing i'm telling my guys here about like fines in the nfl is there it's a lot of money and uh you were pretty good about it like you weren't looking to hit people's pockets but you know around here these guys fuck up from time to time and i'm like guys like if we were laid out of the locker room in preseason like it was like 20 grand and i can remember jim schwartz just freaking out on three guys who grabbed a couple extra bags of peanuts and put them in their socks and we were we had guys walk out through the through the end zone during the kickoff of the second half and i'm like they're fucked uh do you remember ever hitting any of us for coming out of the locker room late at half i mean like all the shit that goes into a preseason game that coaches have to worry about that people aren't thinking about when it comes to the X's and O's, but even the the you know keeping everybody involved.
1: No, I, I tried. I mean, I, I you remember that I I didn't really like dressing down, you know. But it, but and the league didn't want you to dress down. Meaning you rush, you you go out and play a couple of series in the first quarter, and you're done. And you go in at halftime, you drop your pads, you come out in your jersey, and and all that. Mm-hmm. I tried to stay away from that, but um, no, I mean if if, if you're I mean, realistically speaking, man, if you it, you know whether or not you're going to play to start the third quarter and whether you're not, and from my standpoint, I mean, I mean, there's a difference, you know. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the, the, you know, the, the young guy that's going to go out and get that first defensive snap, he needs to be out there and warm and ready to go because he's either not, most likely, not played yet, yeah. or he's carry he's carrying over in the transition through halftime, which he's young, he needs to go through that, but. But, no, I was – I mean, the whole fine thing, I was um, – you know, I could count on one hand probably the number of players that I actually find.
0: Um, Britt, oh, Kenny, Britt, Kenny Britt, Kenny Britt, Kenny Britt, William Hayes.
1: You know, uh, you know what? But basically, you know, they would get a – there's a difference, Chris. Now I'm telling everybody. There's a difference between getting a fine slip in your locker and me sending it down to payroll. Mm-hmm. So usually everybody came in to have a you know I'll have a hearing, you know I have my doors open. Come on, let's let's have a little hearing. I'll let you appeal it. Mm-hmm. And so most of the time I would just throw it in the drawer and say, all right, if it happens again, I'm going to double it and turn it in. So mm-hmm. to me, I never, I didn't want to take anybody's money. Well, you now know- there were some. When the league does, the league does. There's nothing you can do about yeah. it. But from a club standpoint, now if it's, I mean, if it's egregious, I mean, someone's late for a plane. You know, and stuff like that, and there's really not a legit excuse, or I mean, there's no excuse. But anyway, it's I all feel case. Like we by had
0: place. a guy late for the plane. There, you guys, the guys have to look good on hard knocks, man. You know, they got to have their bucket yeah. hat and their and their their jersey over with no shoulder pads. So you got to get your yeah. your fit right for the second half. Uh, with the hard knocks thing, you had hard knocks. And I remember not being on the team anymore and thinking like, man, I'm glad I'm not on the team anymore just for this reason, because I do not want to get followed around by cameras in preseason. uh, You guys did a pretty good job with it, but I know there were some, there were a couple of distractions that got caught on camera. My most famous cut of all time on hard knocks is probably you. And now they they're saying no more cuts on hard knocks. How do you feel when you heard that news? Did you want to do that privately?
1: Um, no, I was I was okay. Look, just historically, you know, hard knocks came to us for a long time, and and um, you know, I just kind of, at that time we was just like no, because because we dealt with them with the competition committee and Howard Katz and you know, yeah. everybody, and so it was like man. And then I just kind of held out as long as I could, and then remember um, we drafted Michael Sam, mm-hmm. and that's when they really wanted it. Mm-hmm. And and I just said that's not fair to the team. It's not fair to Michael. It's not fair to anybody. No, we'll give you the content. Well, our guys will give you your whatever content you want. But when we we actually agreed to it was to capture the move because they'd never captured an NFL move before. And so I just said, yeah, do it. So um, I really um, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I say that I mean I talk you know Todd Haley. Todd Haley says Jeff Fisher and Todd Haley were the two coaches that got fired right after hard knocks. Well, okay. If that's how you feel, Todd, it's okay. I don't think hard knocks had anything to do with me getting fired, but, (laughs) but, but what we did was, um, you know, they just disappeared Yeah, and they really did. And, and so there were moments on the practice field or post practice where I said, Hey guys, um, I need some time here everybody get it and they would shut down. Mm-hmm. There were no no hot mics. Yeah. If if you needed your time. And yeah. so and then we got you know we got to I got to look at everything and then got invited um got invited to join the crew to watch the actual show itself because they don't see it until it's actually aired live on TV. Yeah. So I was taking coaches in each week to take them over and hang out with the camera guys and the sound guys and stuff and, and, and to watch it. But I knew everything that was going in. And so I was okay with it. I, I didn't have a problem. They Literally, they just disappeared. Now, they continued on through that year. Yeah. Um and then, you know, that's when they had ten good ten good weeks and then they got to capture me being dismissed.
0: So I never saw um, it. Yeah. I not did. something I want to watch. Yeah. yeah. No, no, it was fun. No, it was yeah. fine. It was fine. It was like <laughs> Yeah, it was great. It was a short week. And I, I thought got, you so- cutting me was fine. I always tell people it was the most pleasant cut I've ever. I mean, I've only been cut <laughs> once, but <laughs> it was so pleasant. It was like you fear it for years and then you're like, Oh, it's just fish call me on the phone. What you up to, buddy? We're just yeah. gonna let you and James go. <laughs>
1: Yeah. How about telling the truth? You know, I mean, God, I didn't necessarily get the truth out of, I don't think I got the truth out of the Rams, but, but whatever their truth. But anyway, I was, I was okay with it. So, so that was, so there's a, it's a, uh, it's after, I don't know, we had a rough loss at home. We had gone out, won some games and then had loss at home. And then we're on a short week. We got Thursday game at uh, Seattle and it's cranking. And, um, I mean, it's ripping, you know, and I come in Monday and such a short week and it was like, see ya.
0: So I go, and then, and then you walk, well, how does that go? Do you uh, talk to bones for a little bit? Cause I think he was the interim.
1: Little bit. I mean, I was on the phone with him for four hours a day. Yeah. uh, For the whole time, Yeah. you know, even, even, you know, just continuing the schedule and helping him and, and all this thing. But so the cool, cool, my memory was, this was, um, uh, the team was leaving on Wednesday to play Thursday. Wednesday afternoon to go to Seattle and play, and so I figured once the team's gone, I'll come in and grab my stuff. And so Julie and I and and uh, we had uh, I think my Brandon's wife Ann. We go to the office and they haven't left yet. And the and the. The buses are parked around, they're waiting in the escorts in front of them and they haven't left yet. Well, we had just picked up a puppy golden retriever.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. And
1: Julie brought it over to the office. And um I walked outside with a golden retriever in my arm as the buses were driving by and I waved and gave them a thumbs up, kind of like, good luck, guys. I'm getting my stuff. <laughs> and then I got and then I got invited from by Case and um and the rest of the guys to come to the player only Christmas party so yeah. um anyway didn't really with this let lose.
0: yeah no we
1: no we just kind of it was just kind of it was sad you know we yeah. all lost our butts and everything like that but it just, it's just that's part of it you know what bump Phillips say way back when it's like there's two kinds of coaches those that have been fired those are going to get fired you
0: know yeah. And, yeah. and
1: I went 22 years so yeah. there you have it
0: well, with the with the hard knock stuff that we got to see William Hayes on a big stage. I think he got a nighttime TV spot or two out of that thing because he doesn't yeah. believe in dinosaurs. They took him to La Brea Tar Pits. Nice little segment there.
1: And he got a mermaid segment.
0: And he got a mermaid got, segment. He got, he got Let's not forget segment. that. Yeah, um,
1: forget with and that was Jared Goff. Jared, I think they asked Jared, they were flying doing something, and they asked Jared where the which which direction is the sunrise, and he didn't know.
0: Yeah, well oh, yeah. one time we asked Sammy Brown to put South America on a map. He 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 wrote it on Africa. Did he? He, okay. he also Sammy Brown, when we went to London, I don't know if you remember this. We went up in our hotel rooms before we played the the Patriots. And you know, everybody's got BBC on TV. That's the news. That's their CNN. And Sammy comes down to Steve Miller, the head of security, and is like, Hey, Steve, can you turn the accents off? Can you put the can you put the TV in English? He goes, he goes, Sammy, it is in English. She goes, Yeah, can you turn the accents off though? so so uh yeah did
1: we ever do the did we ever do the practice squad player of the year that that goes to pro bowl yeah i think we did yeah, i we, think we did
0: yeah. sammy would have been yeah. a good one oh uh, gosh with yeah. the cuts what what's the toughest cut you ever had to make i mean is is it a guy that's been on the team a long time or is it somebody that that you've kind of identified with their struggle trying to make the roster
1: yeah, there were always, I mean, everyone was different. Um, yeah. And I talked to everybody. Um, I, I, the nightmare stories of the clubs where, you know, you got a, a GA or an intern, you know, saying, hey, turn your stuff in. And they don't even hear talk. you gotta talk to a coach. I always tried to tell everybody the truth, even if they disagreed with me, at least they know what I'm thinking. And yeah. some of it, and with the young guys, in particular, some guys. Hey, man, you, you you took it as far as you could. You should be proud, you know. And you, but you just don't have the skill set, in my opinion. Or hey, you do, but you're you're you know you're a thousand snaps away, and you need to find your way into camp. I mean, whatever it is, and you just kind of do that. Now, the toughest one, you know, you know, anytime. I mean, i had I had a conversation with Steve McNair, and um, and it wasn't my decision; it was an organizational decision. The owner decided, but um, and then he found out from the agent. But still, it was the, you know, it was the reality of the goodbye—that um, he's not going to be here, that he's going to to Baltimore. But you know, obviously, we stayed close after that until until the unfortunate happened. But that was probably a, a one just because we were we had gotten so close over time um you know it's just uh um and then you're right up there i mean yeah but it i mean not we, easy. Made it. it's, we
0: made it easy. i know we yeah we easy.
1: did but still it's not it's one of those things that that you know that's it's a hard part about the business and you know and 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 and, and i think you've got a group that with also firing coaches you know that's a difficult thing to do yeah. as well and coaches get fired because they refuse to make changes yeah. It's not it's just, it's impossible to have worked with everybody before even if yeah. you got guys that you work with before they they don't understand so you know that whole that whole aspect but if you think about what i mean it was 21 22 years and you know you go in with an 80 man roster go to 53 yeah. i mean you're talking about 25 30 guys a year yeah. And so, yeah, and I, I, I did everything I could to talk to every single one of
0: them. On a lighter note, you were talking about ties earlier. You remember I, the only tie we ever had? We almost had two. Well, yeah, we almost had two. We, we were playing San Francisco so close. I think we, did we tie them? No, we, we beat them nine, six. It was yeah. like an overtime. It was the most physical game I've ever played in. It was incredible. Yeah. And then we also tied the Niners earlier that year in San Francisco. So we almost tied the same team twice. But I wanted to ask you if you remember getting off the the plane uh, after the tie, a game in which I didn't know the rules when they missed that field goal at the end of the game. I was like, what the fuck is happening now? I had to look at fish like, give me a situation, coach. (laughs) You weren't the uh, only one. Yeah, Yeah. because they just changed the rule. And by the way, in preseason, they changed the rule in 2021. You can't tie anymore. So the other night, the Eagles and the Browns uh, tied like 18-18, and nobody wants to be at the stadium for another hour. But I got off the bus that night. And I remember face-planting. I got on the bus and face-planted onto the uh, stairs uh, because I had had a couple beverages before they outlawed having beverages. And I face-planted on the stairs getting on the bus in St. Louis. And I looked up, and you it was bus one. Like, you were right there. You were looking right at me, and you were like, good game tonight, Chris. And that's all we said. Do you remember that? Do you remember me falling I drunk remember. on my face yeah. in front of you?
1: Yeah, yeah I remember, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a, yeah. I mean, you were just rehydrating.
0: At least I, I played mean, well though. Played you were like...
1: rehydrating. You had to hydrate. That's a, I mean, it was a physical long game.
0: <laughs> it was a.
1: Physical. Yeah. You weren't the only one, you weren't the only one that, that was going, what's going on here. And then <laughs> what becomes different for coaches is you managing that game. Yeah. Okay. You, there's a, there's a threshold at the end and depending on the scenario where, okay, I don't want to make a mistake and lose it. Right. I've had 13 and a half, 14 minutes to win this. I can't win it. I don't want to lose it. And now you end up settling. Okay, worst thing can happen. We got a
0: tie. The Staley so- the Staley situation with Staley and Bisace a couple of years ago, where you know Staley's plan for the tie, I think it was. Uh, no. you know I, I still haven't wrapped my head around like the weighting of winning a game versus tying a game versus losing a game that's something you guys are constantly considering in the fourth quarter of a game like that well
1: i don't i don't i'd never consider i mean it was just i i knew common sense tells tells yeah. you I, I don't know what the, the you know the odds or the, the the analytics say but common sense says at this point all right it's for it's third and seven, third and eight, you're at midfield, try to get it. I mean, you go for it at fourth and seven and give them the ball or two first downs and a field goal and you lose versus punt the ball away.
0: Yeah. You know, and so those are,
1: yeah, those are decisions that you just have to to make.
0: Oilers, Titans, coach, should they be able to wear the Titans uniforms uh, that predated the the, the Titans, the, the Oilers uniforms?
1: Um, I would say no. You would say uh, no, wow. Well, I mean, I mean, they're the Titans, unless I'm mean, now granted, you know, granted, we were the Oilers and became the Titans. You're but the guy if who can wanna, answer
0: this question, so
1: yeah. If you want a throwback, you know, you want to wear a throwback jersey, mm-hmm. um, or, or uniforms, I would think so. I mean, they own the rights to it. The, yeah. He didn't leave. I'm sure the family and and Amy and Bud didn't leave it in Houston. He didn't leave anything in Houston. So, no. um, <laughs> but um, I, you know, but the Titans are the Titans. I mean, if you you're still the Titans,
0: but but you're do you wearing like the Titans or Titans or the Oilers uniforms better? Then,
1: oh, um, that one. That's a hard call. Um, mm. I we had some. I mean, we had some sweet combinations. Um, I thought before they had combinations in Houston. I mean, okay. those were some. Yeah. Those were. Uh, I, I, like like the the I like the Titans. I like the Titans. Oh, All oh right, no, so- I do. I tr- trust me, I do too. I mean, we had some really great combinations, but uh, I don't. I could see it doing just as a throwback, just memories.
0: Well, OK, so the Bears, your playing days, just one or two on your playing days before late, like, because I like to remind people that that fish was a was a good football player too, not just a good coach, good football player, played on one of the best defenses of all time uh, in that mid 80s Bears group. Uh, and I kind of wondered, this came up this week with Miles Jack. You heard he retired. He was a good player, injuries, that sort of thing. But he said last year he was considering becoming like a plumber or an electrician. And it kind of reminded me of the days when dudes, according to my dad, actually had offseason jobs. And I kind of wonder, like, did dudes on that Bears defense, like not Mongo, maybe not Richard Dent, but did guys have jobs in the offseason?
1: No. Well,
0: no. I you guys think of sp- one
1: that had a, one that had a restaurant um, in Colorado. Uh, our first round pick from Cal uh, had a travel agency, um, Ted Albrick, and he retired into that. Um, i actually rented an office space from him because uh, for 3 years there in the off season i sold um, computer equipment software
0: um, what
1: yeah oh yeah no i did so like Texas I, joined, I was a start i was a startup com- i was with a startup company there's a long time now from the time that season's over to camp starts, and you got a three day mini camp and you're gonna be sore for a month after the three day mini camp. There's nothing going on and yeah. and I didn't know how long I was going to play, and I got an opportunity yeah, I was driving around the midwest selling a uh uh maintenance management software program to petrochemical and utility companies, and <laughs> I actually I'm uh, check this out, man. I made more money um selling software. Then I did my last year with including the Super Bowl check.
0: No fucking way. Yeah, and that's- then
1: that's what I was going to retire and go into. When Buddy offered me the job to get into coaching, I actually told him no, in front of Julie. I told him no because I wanted to try to play. She was working in Chicago modeling Chicago, and and then I I felt this sick feeling, and I called Buddy back. I goes you give my job away. He goes, no. I said, I'll see you at the airport. And <laughs> so crazy. that was the last, yeah, that was the last bit of software that I sold. <laughs> so, I, just, but- I just I
0: I just, just found something else out about you uh, today. So I know you sold software, but also that you broke your leg with the Bears. And uh, the guy that tackled you, you were a hell of a punt returner. You returned a bunch of punts in one game. I think you had the record for eight punt returns in a game, which I don't know what the fuck the offense was doing. But, you know, Fish was catching a bunch of punts. Bill Cower broke your leg and then you guys became rivals in in the same division and I'm kind of wondering if you ever like that motherfucker he broke my leg in 1983
1: Well you uh, I don't think we played you weren't on my team when we played Bill Cower when he was the head coach but I reminded our guys Saturday night that in the event that you're a little out of control and you're you you got some speed <laughs> and you're going out on their boundary if you roll into the head coach's legs it's okay <laughs> so that's what we did here but yeah. uh, no i'm kidding but yeah i was you know what um i just got an opportunity to start at free safety cuz Gary Fensick had gotten hurt for a few weeks so yeah. you know i was um i was in philly and they sent me back uh to handle a punt because uh, they didn't trust the guy behind me making a decision, and so it was a low kick, and I just grabbed it. I tried to get what I could, and and uh, I got, I tried to get down. I got, I spun, and I got held up, and somebody came from um, just wiped out everybody's legs, and I felt the track, and and so I'm laying there. The only time I never I was unable to get up, and so I'm laying there. And the trainer comes out, and Doc comes out, and uh, and I said, "Hey, my leg's broken. I can't get up." And he goes, "Your leg's has broken, you pussy." And <laughs> and so he starts he manipulates it, and he goes, "Oh, it is." So long, This is a great story, man. So so we so I go in. They put you know they wrap it up, put it nice. Got to go from Philly all the way to Chicago. It's kind of October. It's it's cold night in Chicago. Um, I'm go to the I go to the hospital up there in Lake Forest, whatever. Get the X ray. Get the cast put on. And um uh, Julie comes to to pick me up. It's cold. She's gonna meet me at the hospital and I'm kinda in a hurry. And I'm sliding in the back door in the back seat. Remember those Bronco twos? You probably don't remember. Yeah, those they're a old, little bit smaller. They're a
6: little, Stop yeah, making smaller the yeah they,
1: they yeah, because they they would just roll over anytime you yeah. turn left or right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So um anyway, I'm pulling my leg with the freshly wrapped plaster cast in the into the back of the car. And um she slams the car door on my leg (laughs) because she was cold (laughs) and she was in a hurry. So anyway, four doors. Yeah. Anyway, that was 83. I came back off it and, uh, and played. but yeah, Bill did. Uh, he takes, he takes all this credit for launching my coaching career. Well, I played two years after that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What about that, Bill? The worst sideline injury had to be William Hayes though.
1: Oh my gosh! I told somebody that the you know early in the summer, that story, and yeah, tell tell my producers tell they're back the, here. I, I,
0: I tell them William Hayes stories. We we tell them this one before we let you go.
1: Okay, so we're um, we're in Kansas City now. This wasn't the no, yeah. I went to Kansas City last time. I was in Kansas City. I had two 100 yard rushers. I had uh, Chris Johnson and Lindell White. Lindell White. So went in there and we freaking we were tearing them up. So we weren't as good this this time around into Kansas City. I think Kerry, uh, who was our who was who was throwing the ball, who was the quarterback? Um, Kerry Collins on, probably. Yeah, it was Kerry. Yeah, so it's Kerry, and um, and Will's Will's clearly in in Tennessee. We've got... He doesn't uh, know it
0: I've, in a second. No,
1: no, no. But so it's like it's third quarter. Uh, we went in thin on the D-line, and now we're really thin. Okay? I got like one five guys. And and um, the trainer comes up to me, and he says, hey, we're down to four now. I go, what the hell? Because Kyle had gotten hurt. Vandenbosch had gotten hurt or something. And now he, we had five, and he comes in. He goes, we're down to four. I go, what are you talking about? What happened? He goes... William Hayes is out. He has a concussion. I go, concussion? Are you kidding me? He goes, you're not going to believe it. So Will is sitting on the bench and the offense is moving right to left of the bench and Kerry is not going to take a hit. So if it's not there, Kerry was smart. We won 10 in a row with Kerry. This wasn't the year, but um, Kerry's Cherry's back foot hits it's not there he throws the ball away well it's a cold Sunday afternoon Kansas City and he throws the ball away and the ball hits will in the temple What's sitting he, on the he bench. wasn't
0: watching the game he just looking he was looking up. forward
1: yeah I mean there's people I'm sure you know how it is he's <laughs> what you guys do you sit there you catch your breath you just kind of you're talking to somebody. The ball hit him in the temple, and 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 the trainer just—I didn't—I was on—I was working—I was up on the boundary, but, but the trainer said, "Coach, it stood, sounded like a melon." <laughs> I mean, and then and then you know, I, I I couldn't wait to get on the plane to get the laptop to get in my seat and fast forward it to the play to see it. That <laughs> sideline. Oh,
0: gosh, yeah,
1: yeah, that was it. Oh, that's Rough good. Bark, that's so dangerous. good right well, in the
0: bench maybe well yeah. when we get you back on we need some eagles stories because i forgot all about that chapter and you got to watch that whole group we had the eagles set that sack record last year but it might be an asterisk there coach I well think. yeah
1: we had some sacks back then. 18 games I mean,
0: though it might be a little different i know
1: but- oh it's different yeah, which yeah. you mean, you want to talk about Reggie and Clyde and Jerome and Mike Pitts and Mike Golick and those guys? I'm happy to talk about that.
0: Asses, Clyde. Wow. You brought Clyde to to St. Louis. Clyde was my coach.
1: Clyde is coaching the D line here for Eddie at Tennessee State. Oh, working great. with Brandon, right now, doing a great job. That's Love awesome,
0: you. man. That's awesome. Right. Well, Coach Fisher, appreciate you. I know uh, we kept you a while, so thank you so much for your time. And uh, always a pleasure. Back soon, man.
1: All right, we'll do it. Be good, man.